Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple and Venom. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And we're back on a Monday, lads, on the normal night. We recorded Film Club last night, but, you know, powered through. It's not a regular day in the week, JP, if we're not doing a podcast. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah. Had a great, just had a great chat with our, our patrons about uh, most embarrassing things people have seen live at indie shows, current state of, uh, of wrestling, WXW, all kinds of fun stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, all while uh, Denmark hammered seven shades of shit out of Russia, which yep. has pleased me greatly. Grapple Mondays, Summer Mondays, I don't know what we're calling it, but that's what you get. It is, isn't it? We, we need to do that deathmatch watch soccer Saturday idea. Uh, de- death match Saturday idea to see how how that works um, but yeah Denmark won they went through which is obviously brilliant for a number of reasons especially after Christian Eriksen but also uh, it nice upsets story. Vladimir Putin and <laughs> I think that's a good thing look we were it just discussing JP off. we've got Russian listeners here we've got like seven of them who've tuned in so I haven't no. said a bad word about them but he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a fucking evil troublemaker that's true They'd agree if they were allowed Troll to Troll gone horribly wrong. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah, they would. Yeah, you're better not, lads, really. I'd keep it kind of shtum or just go online. Maybe you'll get away with it there. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Denmark won, uh, which mm. is which is good fun as well. Yeah, and we had a we had a lovely chat. There were some right old stories about some embarrassing events there. There was mm. the one about the uh, Clint Margera, uh, Jack Jester death match that um, there was a load of families at. <laughs> and they wouldn't leave and the kids started crying now that sounds like Sabootle like, <laughs> <laughs> brought up Sabootle yeah. again oh. <laughs> you don't expect that stuff. the uncancellable Sabu um, <laughs> he'll, be, he'll still be there he'll still be he'll be standing all his peers will be dying like we talked about when we did the one night stand review and yeah Sabu will always be going He'll be there to the end. I'm surprised there isn't a dark side. Well, you can't really have a dark side of the ring about him at the moment, can you? <laughs> it's coming one day, though. Give isn't it, it. Give it. Give it five years. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It needs a double episode for him, anyway. That's well, not, true. None of this. For, none of this forty-minute lack. He needs a China level one. He needs a proper proper documentary for uh, for mm. Sabu. But yeah, uh, you mentioned the footy there, JP. Yeah, obviously on the weekend show we were talking about the England Scotland game on Friday. Put Matena. On Scotland, it was very, very, very exciting right up until the last minute. I could have cashed out for 56p, but I stayed in it with my uh, my £10 bet on 10 to 1. <laughs> but like we were saying in the pre-show, they could, they could have scored at any, any time. That's the most invested I've been in the Euros so far. It was the most, honestly, anything I've ever said about Scotland. And I've never really said anything about Scotland. It's more ICW. Um, but anything the Scots ever had against me, I was, I was waving the flag on Friday, JP. I was with you being a uh, and, and Gareth. I saw you on Twitter, Gareth. Not a uh, you're not you're not English. You're a uh, kind of scouse, kind of Cumbra scouse. I think that was the term. What did you What did you say? Cumbra scouse. Cumbra scouse. Cumbra scouse. Not English. There you go. There's a title for the podcast. I was trademark that. Oh, we're all we're all. But none of us were cheering for England on Friday night, basically. Well, it was like I honestly I'd said on the pre-show I thought Scotland are a, are a good side. Like they've definitely gotten better, and that performance kind of proved it. They were, I thought, absolutely excellent. England were woeful. Um, and we'd rushed through the weekend show to get through to watch that as well. <laughs> to watch uh, a board, so. a nil-nil board draw, yeah. Great way. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> well, it was like, I mean, it had moments in it as well, but it was just that England were were so bad as well. But yeah, the Euros is kind of, obviously we're going to get to the business end of the weekend mm. when we've got the... Um, when we got the round of 16 and mm. knockout stuff. 
proper tournament football. I will say this, and I'm not a fan of the idea that only eight sides go out of this because that just makes a fucking mockery of the whole thing in the first place. It does mean a lot of these group games to the end have got a bit of drama in the groups. Like, hmm. there's at least, it feels like there is always lots to kind of play for. So, could be interesting. England could still win it. Or the next time we're doing this, we're, you know, we're talking about a nation on the rampage as favourites England crash out of Euro 20, uh, like, 2020. I distinctly remember, like, three years ago, we got really excited. We were playing footballs coming home and stuff like that as intro and outro to the podcast. I don't think that's happening this year. I just don't think it's coming. Like, like you said, Gareth, you're watching it and it's just a, like, like watching a load of cunts and you're like as a Liverpool supporter having to cheer on like England players against like like you said Andrew Robinson playing right uh, left back and stuff you know it just is yeah not the same it's it's one of those things that I've always like struggled with with international football it's like how can I like go every waking hour of my life hating all these Man United players and Chelsea players and things like that and suddenly have to want them to do well like when they had that team and it was like John Terry Ashley Cole Wayne Rooney I was thinking these are like the worst people in the world in what Mm. world just because they've happened to have a badge on for a country that I happened to be born in do I want these fucking assholes to do well do I fuck with any of them to get a World Cup winner's medal Something like that. No I chance. mean, we are wrestling fans, so you know we're kind of used mm. to cheering for really awful human <laughs> beings. It's kind of like come to the territory, I suppose. But no, point taken. It is. It's bad. <laughs> no. Yeah, I miss the air. Uh, the- Besides, I grew up in the border TV region anyway, so I was always <laughs> on my TV was always half English, half Scottish, and. Uh, Hamden's only two hours from uh, from from Cumbria, where or my house in in Workington, whereas six hours to Wembley. Wembley always felt like a world away, anyway. So I could never get on board with all those uh, England flags with Colchester written on them and things like that. All these southern southern towns in and around uh, Wembley, all these didn't didn't represent me. Mm. It's always got <laughs> oh. these southerners. I'm sick of them. Thoughts, JP. <laughs> Uh, I don't think he's that far wrong, really. So, uh, <laughs> I, it's weird for me. I've got yeah. a foot in too many camps because my mum's from from North Yorkshire. My dad's from from Ireland. I'm an Ireland fan, mm. so like I can't. I'm just not emotionally invested in England. It kind of it's there. It makes everyone else happy. Mm. Is basically it. It's like, like yeah, well, if it makes everyone else cheery and get all pissed up, like they did that five one that time against Germany. Um, yeah, that was like kind of like mental stuff that's going on but it always seems to end up with me well normally in these tournaments me watching England go out of a tournament and watching a couple of blokes just trying to kick off for the sake of it Mm. that always seems to be like happen regularly where it's like right we're gonna try and start a fight and it's like over what like this happens every two years why are you surprised so Mm. yeah it's I I enjoy the Euros it's a tournament it's there whether the Olympics I, should be happening, that which fucking shouldn't be at all, but yeah, that's coming up. I just feel tired on our Alex because he's like it's his first sort of proper major tournament that he's really going to remember, and like he's he's wanting England to to win, like you know he's dead like well into his well into wanting England to do well, and then he's like stuck in a house with me and Sarah who just couldn't give a flying fuck, and he's trying to get us to be like into into England and wanting England to do well, and like you sort of kind of half wanting to go along with it just for the um just for the you know you know keep him happy and all that but hmm. struggle struggle couldn't couldn't raise a couldn't raise a cheer when that goal went in in the first game 
Right, we're right down us when it comes to England on here, aren't we? You're <laughs> betting against them. I don't support them. Gareth couldn't give a shit. It's no, I'm yeah. in it for the fancy football, mate. I, I was out on Saturday for like for my birthday, and thank you everyone for the birthday wishes uh, over the weekend. But mm. like that, I missed the the big the best game of the, the tournament so far. That Germany game on Saturday afternoon because I was too too busy. JP, I was just enjoying the sun outside with me mates um, rather than watching the football. I just kind of just forgot it was even on, and that's the story of this tournament for me. I just kind of keep going. Oh yeah, there's probably footy on now. Oh, I should probably put it on and i'm kind of watching it um out of juicy more than anything um but yeah but yeah saturday was good though i had a good time out went out to um went out into liverpool and it's like it's still weird going out it still feels like every day sunday afternoon like even if it's saturday night like we, we had low because there were like there were six there were seven of us at one point so you can't go inside anywhere but you can sit outside and then but like we went into Brewdog and kind of tried to get a table of five and a table of two, and they just they weren't impressed with that. Um, yes, I do. I am still supporting the uh, the fake punks that are uh, that are Brewdog, um, which runs contrary to my beliefs about progress. But what are you going to do? Um, but yeah, they weren't having it. Mate, That's the most corporate cool thing. Don't you at least once a month? Don't you? So <laughs> I do go there a lot, you know. And I do watch progress a lot, yeah. So it kind of works out once a month yeah. for both. Um, but no, it's still weird. Like we went to like a nightclub at like one in the morning, like you know, like the concert square, <laughs> Gareth, just for something to because it was somewhere open and you sat in a nightclub like at a table <laughs> like all this booming music's going on and you're like i can't leave my table i've got to sit here for half an hour waiting for the table service to turn up it's it's still a really strange experience um being out but it was still fun it was nice to do something nice to see people you know get a bit of a got a bit of life back i thought you were going to break into morrissey there at the start when you were saying every day is like Sunday and you were uh, talking about uh, it is. There you go, there's an intro song. <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't imagine right. that. Yeah. I can't imagine that being sat in a club and like having to be sat at a table in a mm. club. Like, that's just, just I believe the crazy house is still is open and that's what they're doing. Literally, table service. We didn't get that far. <laughs> You've got so tables you're, you're sat around down the dance in the floor. night. <laughs> yeah, you can't dance. Mm. You can't really sit close to people, and you can't mm. have a conversation because there is loud, booming music going on. <laughs> seems seems stuff, doesn't it, um, mate? It sounds like Guantanamo Bay mm. when you put it like that. It's just like with just with a few points, like that's really the only difference. Uh-huh. You know? It worked out well though. After after the club, we all went. But we had just well, like we got to call it a night, and I managed to. It was Matty's birthday on Friday as well, and he uh, he got engaged on Saturday. So congratulations to him. Managed to uh, to go back and see him for a couple of hours. Hopefully, he'll be on the uh, the podcast either this week or next. So you can look forward to that too. So yeah, saw lots of people. So yeah, still worth it. What was your mixtape of mixtape of wedding angles in wrestling? Oh, he's got ideas. One of them was the Reign of Terror, (laughs) a mixtape of Triple H matches. (laughs) He did have a mixtape of Kevin Nash matches idea, which I said if we put that in a poll, it's just going to win. So maybe we should just do that, (laughs) because we could. There's lots of uh, Kevin Nash career we could do. uh, We could we could could pick from Wolfpack Nash, Diesel Nash, a couple of Oz matches, some outsiders tags. TNA. The reign of the reign of terror idea does sound interesting. Like, could you pick a good one though? Awful, but also <laughs> at the same time, awfully interesting. I don't know if any of those matches are good. They're long. Mm. I can tell you that for free, mm. um, from what I remember. But I think there's just like, oh, I'd be going back and watching that Booker T WrestleMania match. Mm. Oh, it'd be Goldberg at Hell in a Cell. Oh, there's low. There's too many to go through, isn't there? You could probably do fifteen part on. Mm. Triple H fucked up 
people's careers. Speaking of missed opportunities. Yeah, let's not do that one. <laughs> it gets worse the more you... Uh, Kevin Nash mixtape sounds better the more you think about it, doesn't it? <laughs> Compared to that. <laughs> well, we got ideas. We, we, are, we are just becoming a Kevin Nash... We are just becoming a Kevin Nash podcast at this point. I know. Point. <laughs> I'm fine with that. It's... <laughs> Drinking, come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm remarkably down with this. We might be like, a Vince well, Russo podcast later on, but, you know... <laughs> well yeah we're gonna get into that 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 mm. was a yeah i think he'd come on i think he'd yeah, do it i mean mm, but you know you are we are a kevin nash podcast because literally we tried to do a, a horror movie film club and he turned up once again this week when we uh when we discussed river yeah. of darkness which was a which was a conversation <laughs> that was I was looking today. I did the tweet today of um of the uh just to promote it. And like in doing so, I was looking for like copies of uh, of images and like stuff screenshots from the movie and stuff. It's like a great shot of uh, Nash and Sid and the director just in the in their shitty costumes stood around. If people don't know what we're talking about. This was uh, this is a, a TNA. Is it TNA sponsored? JP, this movie River of Darkness or like TNA have got some kind of involvement in it because it, it, they cast Kurt. And there's like one of the cov- one of the DVD covers I'll, I'll talk about in a minute it's got like the stars of tna kurt angle kevin nash and sid vicious and it's like sid vicious the star of tna and then glaciers in it randomly um i uh, we're still not sure how that film came together but yeah <laughs> he steals the film does glacier he does he does he is he he, he he is the best thing about that film by like a country mile mm. he really is mm. And that's uh, that's high praise. <laughs> well, it's he's he's not that good. Like I'm making it sound like there's some sort of Oscar caliber worthy performance in there. From he just doesn't embarrass himself like some mm. of the other people in there. He's uh, been to acting lessons as well. Yeah, that. Um, again, I'm going to raise the question of the vest. Um, he's wearing a vest here. At no point in the film does he actually wear said vest. He never gets <laughs> named the, out this of the common that theme, low rent. DVD covers for the Sheriff like, yeah. Stripper Dam <laughs> costume he's wearing. Yeah, they got there's like there's a cover like with Shawn Michaels there to me. I think he looks like Mr. Anderson on the cover. This is Kurt Angle, by the way. If you haven't, if you Google River of Darkness, and I'm pretty sure we'll throw this in the show images. There's yeah. like a DVD cover where Angle looks like Mr. Anderson in one. There's another one where like he looks like the he does look like the sheriff that he is in the film, but it's, it's got the sort of line at the bottom. You can't arrest the dead on this DVD cover, which I don't remember well, being a thing in the film. You can't, can't arrest it. You can't arrest anybody. The worst sheriff in history. There's, there's a quote at the bottom where somebody seems to be from a review that says "awesomeness." Who is that SFX, from? SFX apparently. Anyone heard right. of SFX reviews? What's the context of how the word "awesomeness" is used? Because they could be saying this film is the opposite of awesomeness, mm. and they've just gone well. You know, you've used that word, so we'll put that in there. Carl that said, said like in the chat, "Is it better than the Punisher?" That should be on the cover. It's better than the Punisher. That would be my quote. <laughs> like, if they ever want to throw a grapple spotlight quote on the uh, yeah. front of one of these DVD and covers. shorter by an hour. The other DVD cover, though, what like like where like this this one there's like a topless Kurt Angle with like a werewolf scratch on his shoulder and he's holding like a gun. Like at no point in the film does he take his top off, and at no point in the film do I think he even has a gun. If if you haven't heard our review, everyone, he is the most inept. JP's not wrong, the most inept sheriff of all time. I don't even think he owns a gun in this movie, but like the DVD cover makes it look like it's awesome. action thriller. It's, it's gonna be Die Hard starring Kurt Angle. <laughs> 
Is his head even? Is, is his head photoshopped on that body as well? Yeah, yeah. It's the is same his head, head photoshopped on the other body. <laughs> like, I'm not even sure that's his head. That's yeah. like how little faith I have in it. And yeah, the other one, the the other one that we saw in there as well, where he's there with a massive machine gun, dressed up in some sort of tactical gear. None of that happens. Yeah, none of that happens at all. There appears to be some sort of demon there with blue. Blue eyes. I don't remember any of the three lads having blue eyes. I remember them having shit smeared on their face that's dried in. <laughs> but like it's, yeah, it's an awful film. It's isn't it? It's a it's it, it's but bad. Fun. But like I mean, again, again, more fun than the Punisher. Mm. And they can put that on the quote. Like you can quote me on that. Like grapple more fun than the Punisher. And they'll probably say like I mean I'm, I'm not meaning the Netflix series. I mean the terrible 2004 film with John Travolta and Thomas Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, I love yeah, this you terror to the full upstream. Review. I, 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 I love the way they're just playing with these different taglines on like different covers and things. I can't believe they didn't go with the older Blood Runs Gold. <laughs> oh, that would have been perfect. Because <laughs> Glacier Ray Lloyd is the star of this thing. Blood oh, Runs Gold, the movie, absolutely. is a great concept. Like I feel like it should happen. Oh yeah, he's so fun. he's so he is though. He is genuinely good. Like he comes across like a like a real person who. You know, we, I, I looked at, um, I was saying yesterday, I looked at his IMDb, he was in Bear Notice, he's done all kinds of little bit parts and shows and stuff. I still don't understand how he wound up in a in a TNA-sponsored movie, but, you know, he's done well for himself, right, Lloyd? He has. He's got a good headshot, as we discussed, mm. um, when you look at his IMDb profile. I mean, he, he's, you know, like like you said, he's a, he's he's done all right for himself. And then he was on, he was an AEW, wasn't he? Mm. Out thingy for the ring. Oh yeah, and he's, he's like he's one of the many members. Stolen. One of the many members of the Nightmare family, isn't he? Like he's like connected yeah. somehow because because Cody, of course he is. Like it's kind mate, of mate. They're like polyphonics. Cody goes free. They just don't fucking end, do they? Mm. It just seems to be thousands of them. So I know. I was going to say before we move on, everyone as well. When we talked on the uh, on the film club about the next potential film we might do, this is the one: the Replaceables, <laughs> starring starring Glacier, Larry Zabisco, and the picture of him on the DVD cover looks like forty years old. A picture of Meng that also looks about thirty years old, and Ernest the Cat Miller and some other bloke, uh, Luther Biggs apparently is his name, and it's uh, about a group of wrestlers who fight some aliens. Um, DDP's in it too, so you know. Sound of quality. We'll be watching that, but also on the replaceables, like, can I just say from a grammatical point of view, they've put the um the the comma in after the not the comma, was it after the between the apostrophe. E and the S. The apostrophe, that's it. Sorry. As a teacher, that's shameful. But they put <laughs> this the bit of having to go in after the E before well. the S, which is <laughs> suggesting that it's the replaceables are kind of owning something, but it doesn't make any sense at all. It's like, like, why have they done that? Why have they gone to it? P.S. Why are they lying about the age of all of the wrestlers in there? And I'm still not convinced that this Luther Biggs fella isn't just Scott McGee mm. in disguise doing his weird accent again. That, that, it, makes, it makes it look more like the film's called The, re, re, the Replace Our Place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's French it language, you know? Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> or it's a young Spanish footballer. Uh-huh. They, 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 they kind of want to get shifted on. Oh, well, yeah, if, if you want similar uh, content, and yes, as Dylan's asked in the chat, the, there'll be some kind of, I'll be doing some kind of Fast and Furious 9 review. That'll be uh, that'll be coming up. Uh, stay tuned for detail on that. Um, yeah, you can uh, get it over at uh, patreon.com slash grapple. And uh, lots more going on over there, JP. 
Yes, we did the uh, weekend show recently, and obviously we've mentioned about the the film club as well. But uh, yeah, this Friday we've got the Grappy Hour coming back, mm-hmm. so we're going to be doing that, having a few drinks with the the patrons live and uh, live live call in as well. So uh, please join. This is this is the time de- very much to kind of you know get on board for that for the for the end of the month. So yeah, we we've got that. Obviously, we've got the daily updates as well. Um, we've got other shows that we've we've got coming up. I know we're going to be uh, looking at, at TNA and Nitro at some point in the future as well, mm-hmm. aren't we? Plenty of ideas. Um, plenty of ideas. Lots and lots of stuff to do. So, yeah, get, get yourself over to patreon.com forward slash grapple. There you go. And if you want to help shape that, yeah, obviously as our patrons, we have plenty of, of votes. And for the Grappy Hour on Friday, we'll be talking about what our what our plans are for the coming months as well. Um, so for uh, mm-hmm. people to uh, to let us know what they want to hear more of us, hear less up from us. Probably less, to be honest. We do a lot of fucking audio. Um, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll discuss that with everyone. Can't get rid of me, lad. <laughs> and if you want JP in your ear, yeah, every morning you get the, uh, the JP daily updates as well. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's over there. But, yeah. Let's get into the uh, the week of of wrestling this week. Obviously, missed you last week, Gareth. Um, anything? Did, did we miss anything? Was there anything last week you wanted to uh, chime in on or anything? I didn't. Uh, you've been dying to uh, to get off your chest. You were telling us uh, off air. You were uh, you found it weird listening to the podcast. Whereas you wanted kind of wanted to chime in. <laughs> it was. It was like it was, it was, your it was a surreal. Exp- it was a surreal experience. Now, like because having obviously like done it now for all this all this length of time, I was kind of just like wondering, just like listening to you talking, and I was kind of like forgetting where I was. And just thinking that we were just recording live, and I was at these like lines teeing up in my head to just suddenly pipe in with, and I'd be like, "Oh no, don't just suddenly like say this out loud on the middle of the fucking high street in Crosby." You know, they're not going to want to hear about your thoughts on the lack of British bulldog in that Dynamite Kid documentary or something like that. But, um, but uh, yeah, no, it was a it was a rather a rather weird experience. But no, there's nothing nothing there that's. Um, that's uh, sticking out of my mind so much that I want to chip in. Yeah, you, you, you did all right. Oh, thank you, mate. You did our best. <laughs> thank you, mate. I tried to do you proud. I tried to do you proud on music of the mass as well. Uh, the CM Punk episode. I don't know if you uh, if, if you had the chance to listen. Oh. Or you agree with the uh, with the with the ranking of those themes? I know you're a, you're a big CM Punk fan yourself. Oh no, it was a yeah. I don't want to blow smoke up your ass too much, Benno. But what a great show that was. I thought if, oh, if anyone hasn't listened to that, make sure you go and give it a give it a listen because you, you know what Benno's like when he goes into his little uh, ROH time warps, and particularly when he goes into his <laughs> CM Punk ROH time warps as well. The uh, the passion cuts through the uh, cuts through the audio there, and yeah, that's uh, that's that's you at your best, mate. When you're uh, you. waxing lyrical about those glory days back then. So yeah, <laughs> if you haven't uh, if you haven't listened to that, go and give it a go and give it a listen because yeah, great stuff, really oh. good. Thank you, Ed. I, I didn't realize. I didn't realize. I didn't realize how many themes he'd had. Like those, all those mm. different like indie tunes and things. Some of them, I was just thinking, like, I just can't see him coming out to this at all. You know, you know, some of the ones oh, yeah. even that felt Ice more Cube? close like, to him. But God, <laughs> yeah, that, that that little mix that Andrew did at the start was. Uh, yeah. It was. It was like never ending. Like the the, um, the amount of different tunes he'd had. But yeah, you, pretty, pretty wild you, stuff. You're a cult of personality or a kill switch engage guy. I can't imagine you're an AFI guy because I'm AFI. AFI is my uh, my number one punk theme, but I can't imagine. It is for yourself. 
I love that song and like when I've um, you know gone back and watched stuff it is it is great and it's so good and sort of in, in fitting but no I'm definitely a, definitely a colour personality person I, I, I love that and I think good for, for a lot of the reasons when you're breaking that down on the on, on the show as well I like the, the positive things there and the uh I don't know that that fit with him at a certain time and things like that. It just uh, mm. it just summed so much up about like him and his character at, at that particular time period as well. But yeah, that's that's a that's probably on about like forty different playlists on my Spotify. <laughs> you can guarantee that no matter what what I'm doing, cult of personality is going to show. Oh, is there on your progress playlist that we've all definitely got on Spotify? We all got one of them. I've got one of them. <laughs> I don't listen to it anymore. <laughs> they had some great yeah, yeah. themes once upon a time. <laughs> but no, Cult Personality is yeah. on my ROH one. Yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't had an airing for a while, that progress, <laughs> that progress Spotify playlist. But yeah, uh, it's still there. Uh, Still got gathering dust in the corner. Just big fans of hot tag media, aren't we? You know, made some great, made some bangers. Them lads. <laughs> yeah, be out. wrong, isn't it? That's that's where our loyalties lie. Hot tag media. <laughs> oh, crack and ganger, lads. Um, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, we uh, we we, did, we missed you last week, Gareth. So it's uh, it's good to have you back. And yeah, obviously they will be talking some hell in a cell. We'll be talking some AW Dynamite as well. But you know what? We saw we talked about it in the pre-show, and we said, "Sod it, let's talk about the thing that interests us most out of the list here, which might mean hell in a cell gets bumped to the back of the podcast." Please use the show notes. They mm. are uh, they are contained within every podcast. I do painstakingly put them together and then get them wrong anyway. But you know they're there. Um, so yeah, if you want that review, it'll be coming later. But the thing that I think we actually all want to talk about most this week is this China documentary that was on um, that was on Vice. Uh, it wasn't a proper Dark Side of the Ring episode. It was its own thing, um, which might be maybe part of the reason why maybe it's not getting as much talk um, as you'd imagine. But I don't know, as far as like a full-size proper documentary goes, like, and we've reviewed a lot of really good wrestling documentaries this last week. We've been spoiled for them, really, haven't we? Like, you know, for, for, mm. for choice as far as good stuff goes. This was up there with the top of them. I absolutely loved this thing. It was like, it was eye-opening in a lot of ways. You know, it was, it kind of, it, it didn't feel exploitative, but obviously, you know, the people contained within it felt exploitative. Like there was, you know, it was almost a documentary about a documentary, isn't it? Like, because there was a, a group of oh, ragtab absolute scumbags who were following around in the last few months who were trying to put a documentary together. So some of that footage lands in this, but you get a lot of like interesting footage about, yeah, the types of those people who were, who were around that I'm definitely going to go on a passionate rant about Vince Russo later, who actually stood out as one of the, the better people in this documentary as well. But yeah, I really absolutely loved this thing. I just thought it was just a, a really powerful piece and I felt like I learned something as well. Like the China subject is one that like we're all aware of, but I haven't really thought about it in years. I haven't thought about, you know, how big a star she was in the 90s, how big a part she was, the attitude there. You might laugh at the documentary, maybe trying to cast her as like a female Steve Austin. That's obviously a bit too far, but, you know, she was a big deal um, in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it's a story that's almost been forgot, a story that A&E are probably not going to tell and a story that if WWE ever get around to telling it, <laughs> good luck <laughs> telling that story without, uh, you know, burying a few people. Um, yeah, absolutely love this thing, I believe. Uh, did you get just catch up with this one today, Gareth, did you? Yeah, I watched this today and like like you say, I thought it was absolutely fantastic, absolutely up there with any wrestling documentary. I thought it, if anyone's been watching the dark side of the ring, like 
all the series gone so far, this just blew everything that I've seen on Dark Side of the Ring out of the water completely. And now I know that it, it's advantage that it was a, it was a bit longer, and obviously it definitely benefited from the fact that because it was that kind of documentary about a documentary, they had all that footage that they'd, they'd taken for that documentary. So you had a lot of China in her later years talking, talking candidly, seeing her, and you know different, you know over a different time period and things like that which which like definitely added to it but i mean talk you know when we talk about wrestling documentaries we talk a lot about how the better ones are the ones that kind of get into the the mind of the individual and and almost tell you a bit more about their backstory and upbringing and why they've ended up being the person they are and you know God, this did this absolutely, you know, better than any I've seen. You know, I think the access to people that they had there, whether it was like parents, whether it was siblings, ex-boyfriends, things, they really did have like the genuine, you know, inside track on 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 China and who who she was and and you know what made her what made her the person that she was, and then ultimately what you know led to a downfall really with you know being able to pull out those different influences that that she had in her life, be it Triple H, X Pac, be it you know, mm. be it the uh, manager in later years and things like that. There was, there was so many levels and so much depth to this that, you know, oh, what a, mm. what a great watch it was, but obviously what a harrowing watch to, you know, sort of see the, where she went, where she went from mm. to ultimately the way our life changed in such a rapid way, really. And, and ultimately what it led to just, uh, you know, shocking stuff to watch. And like you said, Ben, I learned a lot as well. There was a lot of things there that I didn't know, which often can't be said of wrestling documentaries either. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to, to echo all of those points from it. I mean, I, I think where the part of the reason I think this is better than so many of the other wrestling documentaries that are out there is this one is visually interesting, mm. but also it does things structurally, like kind of play around with the timeline a bit, which kind of is from a, from a kind of, you know, if you're watching enough of this stuff and you're watching enough documentary, you've seen things like The Last Dance where it plays around with the chronology of it. So you're getting kind of a good insight into it. But there's like the thing you kind of, I I would say harrowing is, is really how I found this because there are so many times where you're just looking at someone who's, who's really just let down by people and there's elements of like of her being exploited and like kind of being manipulated to the point where it becomes kind of clear that she doesn't really know who who she is herself like uh, uh, for large swathes and she's always kind of looking for the kind of acceptance and and so it's kind of going into these kind of bad relationships and bad decisions because it's just kind of like and even to the point she becomes she joins like the mormons when she's out in japan which there is you know, just to say as well, the stuff with her in Japan is absolutely fascinating. Hearing Chono being interviewed about the match they have at the Dome, but I just didn't see that stuff coming. And there's so much stuff outside of the WWE stuff that's brilliant, like that's really kind of interesting. But my God, there are some awful people in this. So you mentioned about the documentary you're doing, the what is it, the Resurrection of China documentary in 2015, 2016. And all three of the people are exploiting her in one way or another. There's one of them who just wants to get high with her. There's the manager who's financially exploiting her. And there's another one who appears to be kind of romantically exploiting her, if not sexually exploiting her um, as well. And you 
oh, I can't hear you, Ben. I don't know if you're on mute, mate. Oh, sorry. All three of them felt like they were at different points, didn't they? Like sexually exploiting it. Yeah. Like it felt implied a little bit, didn't it? That like she was being used, yeah. but yep. in one way or another, either way. Yep, exactly. And it's also a case of why WWE don't want to talk about it is quite often they've quite subtly bigged themselves up about paying for people's rate rehab and stuff like this. She was left to rot yeah. on the outside. And there is this, and and you you tweeted it out, and it's absolutely spot on the Vince Russo quote, where like you think of the, the the Hall of Fame, and they're using porn as the reason why she can't be in there because in case a kid googles, and it's like, and if a kid googles Jimmy Snooker, mm. like you know, we just you know every the other people in there for like much worse things because not liking her for a porn career is kind of that's a morality decision. Whereas, like, you're talking about Hall of Fame people in the Hall of Fame who have got legitimate, like, kind of serious criminal issues, which are like violent and harmful. And instead, here there's a kind of morality choice, and it's and it's the fact of Triple H kind of, you know, he's he's making that decision. If they'd had her in that that kind of Hall of Fame system and the rest of it, you, you'd have hoped there'd be some kind of chance of a kind of rehab. And you can't help but feel he's kind of really put the kibosh on that himself. Oh, yeah. Because there's a kind of per- personal embarrassment in it. So, I mean, and this documentary isn't frightened to kind of really, like, you're left under no illusions about who are the people who've kind of wronged her throughout her life. Yeah, this is, like, it, it kind of makes you angry, but mm. I think that's one of the positives of this documentary is mm. you come out of it, like, really really feeling saddened by how let down she uh, uh, she is by everyone around her totally. and how inevitable it was what was going to happen but also the same same time you're angry at them for just kind of allowing it to happen mm. yeah that's it and, and and to pick up on what you're saying there about like it seems daft that i'm saying it but you know you mentioned my sweet there and you just in general the horrible people who are allowed ch- around china at the time of her death like Vince Russo is almost the moral compass of this documentary. I don't know. That sounds ridiculous because we all think he's a you know a terrible booker and full of shit and whatever. But like you know, I don't think that necessarily makes him a terrible human being. And I think this kind of made me look at him a little bit differently because he is one of the few people in her life who clearly cares about her. And like, if you haven't seen the clip, you've got to see it. Like he cuts this impassioned rant on this about like. You know, and he's willing to say it as well. You know, he, like the, the show footage mm. of the Triple H Steve Austin interview where he says what you said, JP, about the fact that, well, kids might Google her and it's like, no, your kids might Google her and they might find out things about you is the issue here, Triple yeah. H. And Vince Russo just fucking rips into them. And he's like you said, JP, you know, talking about the fact that there are fucking murderers and rapists in this Hall of Fame. And, yeah. you know, do they know, you know, the position, the pit? place in her life she was at the time that triple h went out publicly and said that and you know how much it would have meant to her to 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 be in that hall of fame you're right i don't think you're wrong jp like it, it could have changed their i know we'd laugh about the hall of fame and stuff but that acceptance you know clearly would have meant to some something to someone like her being back in that fold in jet well yeah and seeing her playing for the rehab and stuff like that there's she- all of those kind of things that they're more than happy to do for everybody else but not her because it's her. Well, the thing and is, that's that, why like, she's not in. From, 
from that like acceptance point of view like at the, at the, the very start of the documentary when she's first come back to the US and she's like that manager's dragging her along to like signings shows and things but then she sees Mick Foley and he oh. just comes and like gives her a big hug and like yeah, she's crying you could even see there with her like how teared up she was that it was just that like you know, it was that unexpected acceptance or something like that from somebody who's so ingrained in the, you know, who's so strongly associated with WWE. You know, she quite clearly had it just built up into her brain that because she was rejected essentially by the McMahons and, and, and Triple H, that that was it. You know, they, they talked a lot, didn't they, about how once they got rid of her, she was basically erased from history and she she pretty yeah. much was really, you, you know, wasn't it? Wasn't she? It was absolutely just like, don't talk about it. You know, you, you, with all this stuff women's revolution and all this other stuff and like you know if you think the impact that she she had at the time and it is literally just yeah let's get her out of the way and just like forget she ever existed and you know going from that point with foley to the to the point like later on where they then go along to like titan towers don't they and like try and get in the building and you know you know it's just like dragging her along putting her in that situation on camera when she's clearly like struggling and messed up and things like that and then obviously no one will give her the time as a wwe at that point and things you just think there's a there's a fucking lot of people there with um you know blood on their hands really you know once once yep. you kind of you know once you you strip everything away here and then you look at the impact that it, that it had on her life um mm. yeah just uh, chewed up and spat out basically wasn't it by by, by yeah. quite a few people Cause she was a massive star, massive like, and I've almost yeah. myself forgotten like how big she was like in, as part of like the attitude there, and how big a like, you know, a, a a person like women, you know, young women and girls could look at as like somebody who was like you know a role model. She was a superhero, you know, basically like what women look like China at that point in the world, you know, and she was beating men, and she was in Royal Rumbles, and she was like you know she was a. She was a layup marketing wise as well. Like how, you know, if there wasn't this Triple H element, which I still be honest, that's what it is. You know, they go through it in the story. They tell yeah. the story about how she's with Triple H and then all of a sudden he's doing the angle with Stephanie and then she's suspicious something's going on and before she knows it, something is going on. And within a year, she's out the company and like, hey, run. It's like 1996 to 2000. It's like, it's not long at all. And yeah without that she's the type of person they would have been you know selling t-shirts of for years and merchandise into hell and right into the mid-2000s they probably could have gotten money out of it and you know the story we've all been told over the years is oh she was too big of an ego she didn't want a job to the women and stuff and you know some of that obviously from their talking about footage is true but that's the story we've been sold oh she was a head case we couldn't work with her and it's like it's quite clear what's happened like triple h has shagged his way into the mcmahon family and she an inconvenience and despite the value she clearly still offered at that point she's pushed out the door and her life you know is never the same and to the point where yeah you know even someone like me kind of forget how big a, a feature she was of the attitude here and like yeah how big a star she was at one point because they so unceremoniously just like you said gareth wiped her from history yeah and i think it's that sort of like that that level of of, of status that she that, that she did have, I suppose that that again, like because she was almost like on 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 the highest of highs to suddenly just been like you're out on your out on your ass basically, and no one's giving you the time of day anymore, and then you just suddenly she literally did go from the top to just the bottom in like record time. Really, there wasn't much, you know, there wasn't wasn't much much doing for her, was it in terms of that? So just in, and and then when you look at the way that financially they 
you know, clearly they didn't treat her well financially. You know, she talked about getting more money off that one Playboy um, mm. cover that she did than she had, I think, in the previous three years in the WWE, which if you think that that was her, you know, she was performing in quite strong positions on, you know, on, on TV, on pay-per-views, as well as working title matches, should be working, um, you know, main events alongside Sean and Triple H and things like that at that time and things, you know. So, uh, again, clearly financially, sort of exploited her, you know, to some degree um, with, oh, yeah. with WWE because she, she had she had fucking nothing basically, did she? Once she was uh, once she was gone, the uh, the the money soon the money soon ran out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it, and it just makes me think of all these DX reboots you see. Yeah, just not mentioned. Mm. Like as if it's like, well, there's two people who started up. It's Shawn Michaels and Triple H, and you go, no, there's a third who was there all along before everybody else because. As Kevin Nash describes her, she was the cooler. That was her job. Like, and did it frankly brilliantly back in the day. Like, it, like it was one of these things where, like, I can remember when she came out on, I think it was, it was on an episode of Raw, and like, and when they showed the clip again, I was like, oh god, yeah, I remember that because it just mm. completely stood out. And I also remember WCW trying to do it with Asia, didn't they? Oh and they yeah, got their own female bodybuilder in. But you know, and it says a lot about China that that kind of knockoff just didn't work at all on any level like about how actually good she was mm. in that role and the way that she played it now we're not saying that in terms of her as a wrestler that she was she was absolutely amazing but she was treated terribly and she was an enormous star and she was held to an entirely different set of standards like i mean i, th- I thought of all of the stuff they mentioned like and her sister mentioned as well like the jawline reconstruction and everything else around there that she was mm. basically kind of told to do we need you to look more feminine in order for this to sell and that's the case and they still do it today oh, people man. don't like to talk about it but it still goes on today how bad were Howard Stern and fucking Larry King interviewing her where Larry oh. King's like so you say you're strong St- is strength not a masculine attribute it's like you fucking what like that's Larry King he's supposed to be an actual jet like Howard Stern my expectations are low anyway and he's mm. the gobshite you'd expect him to be but he, he you know he's literally saying it, oh did you get your jawline fixed because you look like a bit of a man is that what it is like oh just mm. horrible like I can't even imagine like being in her skin and and having to deal deal with all of that stuff, um, and it's sad because like the the result of all those surgeries, like she, she doesn't look great, you know, in, in her later life because she stopped taking care of herself, and it's it's kind of gotten out of control. And I find that quite like shocking looking at the difference between her when she first started because. You know, that, that was footage I'd never seen before, you know, over on the indie scene, just as a regular, you know, human. She's big, but she's just a nice, regular girl and seems happy in her life and is, you know, comfortable in her skin and is, you know. Good promo. Yeah, she had a decent promo on her, yeah. And, and you know, matches aren't great, but, you know, I, I didn't realize she'd done. I just thought she went to WWE and I didn't know she had, like, a, a pre WWE run before all that. But, like, the difference in her from then to, like, when she died is, like, it's like two different human beings, is the other thing. Yeah, I think that's it as well. But is is because, like JP says, that with the them playing around with the timeline a bit as well, then you do get these. You know, I don't know. He's one minute you've got her as a twenty year old, and then it'll flash to her as a, you know, forty four year old or whatever. Just you know, not you know, in the last couple of years or whatever. And mm-hmm. it, it really is kind of like jarring that diff, that 
that physical visible difference isn't it that you that is as well as obviously the stories telling that decline you visually see that decline you see the decline in her in her eyes you know the more spaced out she is and things like that on all the different drugs and things that she's on toward towards the end and you just see where she's a bit you know she's just not there and she doesn't have that same sort of spark and vibrancy about her personality that you or, or, or energy that you saw in the in the china character as as well that's just a bit gone at the end and it's 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 just 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 really sad and like when you sort of take stock of it and you just look across and you know you just say about the the you know various people failing her, her along the way i think she just it almost just feels like she just moved on from bad influence to bad influence to, to bad influence because obviously there's the the triple h stuff but then then when it like moves on to the x-pac stuff as well where he's you know been divorced from his wife and then That's he shows up at the door and she's in she's she's in japan she's got a new japan stuff and he's there fucking smuggling crystal meth and coke into japan and stuff you know so and you just think you you wonder if uh, if he didn't come into her life at that time potentially again could this have just been something where i don't know her life would have veered off down a more positive route potentially mm-hmm. at, at that time where she was you know she she was clearly seemed to have an element of happiness over there in 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 japan as well but you, like god and then and then when you you move on to that and you look at the later years i mean her manager around the time of that documentary and you know what was you know, what was essentially the last couple of years of her life what i i mean we can talk about vince mcmahon and triple h being fucking grade a assholes and things like that for the way they they treated her but this guy if he's he fucking needs done on bloody criminal charges or something like that i think you know the the exploitative nature that he brought her down and you know dragged her controlled her and you know brought her down into those depths you know right up to like about the pills when she's speaking to the guy about rehab you know, you know, literally on the on, on the phone, that oh. telling her what to say, what not to say, don't want to admit certain things, and right up to the end point where she has died, and he's got a fucking video camera in the bloody hotel room, hasn't he? You know, because he's got a, he's got a, you know, he's gone up and found her, and oh, thankfully you sort of don't see it, but you know, the fact that it's like, yeah, keep the camera rolling, you know, mm. while you know, while she's there, like what an arsehole, like. and then takes a quarter of her ashes, so you can do some tawdry fucking ceremony. With the oh, with fans taking pictures in front of her and stuff like the bedazzled. If you're a fan and you went to that like and got got those selfies taken, like you need to ask questions about your own life. That was fucking gross. Mm. Sums it up, though, doesn't it? It it really does, and I think that's one of the the kind of real benefits of this documentary. It doesn't shy away from stuff. Really doesn't shy away from stuff. I mean, in some ways, there's even more detail they can go into in a, in a variety of ways from it. But mm. like, this is top-notch documentary filmmaking. I mean, I, I would actually say, like, in terms of this overall vice versa series, mm. if it's kind of carrying on in this way, I want to see the rest of these, regardless of what they are, non-wrestling related. Because I think there's a couple of sports stories on there as well. Mm. But like, this is this is a real like must-watch. It's it's not a fun watch, no, but like it does her justice mm-hmm. like it really it really does like mm-hmm. and it, it does her story justice and the more you think back and then you think of the people that we're told to kind of talk about as the big these big kind of top line stars and we just think no one mentions china and that is 
like and like you say it's very very weird and it's very obvious why that is the case mm. like i mean you're not under any illusions that there, there is one person stopping this from happening so yeah it, it was it was a real like it's something it's a documentary that's really stuck with me mm. like and and sometimes when you see like the dark side of the ring stuff it's like you're not surprised you watch it and you might be shocked in the moment but it doesn't really kind of stick with you but this one really does because one of the things you come out is you you're really empathetic with her like she's making these bad decisions you know how the story ends up but you're always empathizing with her and you're always feeling for her as just someone who even when it goes like halfway through the film, it then talks about like the point where she sees her dad stab her mum, but then she moves out of her mum's in with her dad, who basically is saying, Look, you can do whatever you want there. Like mm-hmm. it's like you just realise that from a very young age, she was like just kind of looking for somewhere. And then anytime she got she she found places where she thought, Oh, this might be good, it just would go badly wrong. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. And like you've both said, the people around her don't come across well. You know, there were certain people in it. You know, the the, the ex boyfriend she had, the you know, the the bodybuilder dude who kind of comes off pretty well. Like as as far as like someone who at least was on her side. You know, ex packers. Yeah. It, you know that whole thing's like you know I think there's probably blame on both sides with with that relationship. Just a bad relationship in general. Like I said before, Russo comes across well, but overall it's just yeah you know the i think it does a good job of getting those people out you know in the documentary and you know the fact that even kevin nash you might think well what's kevin nash doing there you know but you know he offers a good perspective as someone who you know got into a life probably more through a relationship with x-pac than there than with done with triple h um you know all of that is covered too like even having a mum on there you know you mentioned their issue with a family jp like a mum mentions they haven't they hadn't seen each other in 30 years you know right before she died like that's you know telling in itself as well but the fact that she he's she's there as well and yeah it's just it is it's just a really really great piece of work that i yeah, couldn't recommend any higher i'd say yeah, I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd love to be a fucking fly on the wall watching Triple H watch this. Oh, yeah, that fucking cunt. Oh, if you yeah. didn't hate him already, watch this thing. It'll make your blood boil. It will. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. up there with the, what, like, in many ways, like when you're thinking of the, all the bad things he's done in his career mm. and the reign of terror, this is the worst. Because mm. he effectively it's someone who's just been ostracized because of a relationship with him ultimately. Mm. And she's, if she'd had that relationship with anyone else, she would have been back in that fold years ago. She wouldn't have been let go. She would have been probably straight back in as soon as things were getting bad oh, and totally. all the rest of it. But no, she had her own demons, you know, she had her own issues. She like, you know, Will said in the chat, you know, mm-hmm. she, when she re- refused to work in the women's division, yeah, I still kind of look back. Ah, you know, there was money there in a match with Lita. There was money there in a, you know, a, a match with Sable or somebody like that. You know, if you could make it work, you know, mm-hmm. she did get her own way, but she would have been given more chances. You know, in a different world, that's mm-hmm. the difference, and she wouldn't have had to, you know, go to Japan and work Chono or whatever. Who, you know, all of that stuff. Um, Chono, by the way, yeah, uh, wrestling's still real in Japan. You um, make sure he gets. That in the deck, yeah. She was a really, she was a really hard fight that when I fought. I fought china it's like okay mate yeah fully other one that <laughs> um but, but no you know like she even went to tna at one point jp you know that's that's how that's how that things mm-hmm. kind of went with their career but yeah in another world she would have got more chances um for sure oh well yeah moving on <laughs> to more, more positive matters. do we want to talk about aw next do we want to like the mood 
<laughs> yeah, go <laughs> it was a great, on. great happy intro right. to the podcast. <laughs> Feels like after we did, after we did that fucking Jake the Staker, um, Dark Side of the Ring, Jesus Christ, the Grizzly Adams, ep- uh, Grizzly Adams, um, yeah, <laughs> not Grizzly Adams. That's news. <laughs> Smith yeah. Episode, yeah, which uh, we left to the end on purpose, but no, still worth talking about as a as a top one. Um, should we talk about AW next? Should we? Uh, should we cheer ourselves up? Should yeah, we talk some uh, was... some fake MMA? <laughs> That's the main oh. thing to about from this week's episode. Jack Swagger, aka Jake Hager, and uh, and Wardlow. I'll tell you what, didn't expect to enjoy this lads, <laughs> and I really did. Like I, mm. I got up on uh, on on Saturday morning. And I was talking to Steph, and she was like, "You need to, you need to, you need to watch this match." And I was like, ah, "I can't be that good." And then I looked at my Twitter, and I saw a couple of people kind of raving about it. And I was like. It's Jack Swagger. It can't possibly be good. And then I watched it and it actually was good. <laughs> like, might be the best thing Jack Swagger's ever done in his fucking career. And I wonder how much of it uh, is him and how much of it is, uh, is Wardlow. But good lord, they uh, they worked an MMA match and it worked. You know, we got a couple of good, great high spots with the uh, with the Superman punch off the cage and the uh, the the Rana. I rewatched the match today with uh, when Matty was yeah. around mine and we, we both popped a second time for the uh, the Rana spot in there. I'm not going to say there weren't wrestlingy moments in it, but you know they don't. As far as worked MMA goes, I tell you what, like all the punches looked like they landed. It didn't look particularly, other than you know the wrestling spots, didn't look particularly fake at any point. And regardless of everything, it was just a fun fucking time. Like I've had a bad taste email yeah. from these last few dynamites, and yeah, this was a a great way to kick things off this week. They started off properly. It was a spectacle. Mm. Like I found myself what enjoying it and laughing at points, but. I think that was kind of the point of it. It was it was so over the top for the MMA fight, even though it was played completely straight. Mm. So they put out a proper like MMA cage, hadn't they? Like mm. it was very. It was like okay, they've really gone for this. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'm like. I mean, obviously, the idea that Hager should win an MMA fight ultimately with Wardlow is always kind of meant that the finish you were going to get that for it. Uh, you were going to get that kind of a finish. But I will say this, of all these pinnacle inner circle segments that we've had over these few weeks and double or nothing, this is probably the one I've enjoyed the most. Mm. Like out of all of these, like, and even leading into the kind of MJF doing the um, salt of the earth on, um, on Jericho. I enjoyed this. Like you say, this might be the best, it's the best thing Swagger's done in AEW. I mean, I mm. haven't gone back and watched all of that WWE run and Wardlow again, like he just fuck me this bloke you put him in stuff and you think well this isn't gonna work and he makes it work i don't know how he does it i mean i found it funny that they were saying that he's got the cage match experience i was like all of one cage match that he lost <laughs> in which he caught cody <laughs> like, that, that was the most notable thing he did now that. That big fun. experience gained by like gained a lot of experience from that uh from that moonsault from cody but like yeah, when he did the runner, I just burst out laughing. Same. I watched that on Saturday morning and I went, Jesus fucking Christ. But I was compelled, like, throughout. Like, I think I only went like three stars on it because, I mean, there, there are kind of limitations to it, but it's much more enjoyable than that. Mm. I was going to say, I was expecting you to go higher there based on your comments. Like, because I went three. I don't think I loved it as much as. Well, certainly not Benno anyway, by the sounds That's of it. Great you, uh, you seemed like you were like, well, well into that. Mm. <laughs> Expectations it was all right. is a thing. For me, it was, it was, better, yeah. than I, it was better than I expected. Mm. But, I, you know, there's still that 
MMA fan in me watching it just like I, I find it really hard to to watch work to MMA, MMA like mm. you know I, th- I think it's something that I think that as much as they try to pull off the the setting and things like that so much I don't know there was there was a lot of I don't know Lightness, lightness and standoffingness in that first round that um, I don't know it lost lost me a bit. I quite I, I mean I quite like the way that they tried to do things where obviously they um, you know they got over Tager's grappling advantage and then it took Wardlow you know rocking him with a strike sort of thing to you know it, it, that felt realistic it felt logical based on based on what you what, what you knew and things and Wardlow you know pulling out you know the going for the Anthony Pettis and going off the cage and things, things like that. You know, I thought, you know, that, that, that was, an, that was entertaining. You know, I thought, I thought, I thought that was good. And I suppose, you know, they got over that head and arm triangle strongly in the, in the, uh, VT before the, before the match where they showed clips of Hager's MMA legit wins and things like that. So that was okay, but I don't know. I'm, I'm still, it, it's probably one of the things that I struggle with, with blood sport a little bit as well is like when I'm watching these, I'm thinking, yeah, there's just better. There's just good, real MMA fights that are better than this. And you know, I like wrestling for wrestling, and I like MMA for MMA. And I don't know that crossover between them. It always just looks a bit too phony for me, which doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't doesn't sit well. But I enjoyed it enough. Three stars. It was a it was a nice nice start to the show, and it was a bit different. So yeah, oh. bit of a bit a bit of bit of fun. But I'm not gonna not gonna go overboard on it by any means. Quite shocked. I was going to give it three and a half, but I've just looked at the, the average grapple rate. It's like two point seven something right now. So now I'm giving it three point seven five. You can all get fucked. Like I can see, like there's point two fives on the app for this thing. Like I, I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't act too surprised. I mean, yes, you know, point taken. You know, worked MMA is not for everyone. Maybe it's the fact that I've sat through some really rotten blood sport um, opening matches that have uh, that have been no fun. Um, that these just got me and it was fun and it put me in a it put me in a good mood for the day um like i say i'm i'm never ever gonna like go that high on a jake hager match ever again like uh, i mean that's a talk about a man who's like who's looked a career <laughs> we were talking about him on friday it's like yeah he was best mates with jim ross so we got into WWE, and then he turned up chris jericho's gym so he got into aw like that's literally the story of of his career um i think it, it was the type of match where i enjoyed it like i was like oh you know this could have been this could have done this on a pay-per-view but i think if they did on a pay-per-view with like the expectation that comes with that and build and stuff like i don't even think you guys would be going three i think that the fact that this snuck up on us a little bit type of thing it was just a, a thrown thrown on match on dynamite and then dynamite starts like fuck they've got an mma cage fuck they're actually gonna go like full warrior and they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna go for it and they're gonna have chris jericho with the spit bucket on the outside like yeah i think that uh, it was that maybe surprise and that level of expectation that that kind of made it for me but i enjoyed the post match as well i really i liked uh wardlow's character work where you know they were gonna do the fist bump with respect and yeah. he was about to bump swagger and then that Gob shite Sean Spears jumped in and he played it so well like I really really don't want to get involved here but then yeah once once Jericho was involved he kind of had to I thought that was really well done and it reminded me I remember when we were teasing a Wardlow face there remember who's going to turn on MJF they kind of that thread kind of disappeared didn't it for a while maybe maybe there's something still there um I thought yeah despite the fact Sean Spears was involved I thought the post-match was really well done I love that segment. I, I love the ward. Same as you. I love the the whole mm. thing with the fist bump. I love just the way Wardlow's just 
acted that out to some to some degree and I, I like this where it's you you say there there's almost that like bit of time gone by bit before there was those like little hints and things and and I just like I like this where there's you know throwing a couple of seeds and then maybe nothing happened for months and months and months throwing a couple more seeds and nothing happened for months and months and this can be a real long slow burn on that yeah. that Wardlow turn you know I always you know I when we've talked about it before I always talk about it in terms of the Virgil million dollar man stuff kind of thing that it's just that like eventually they're within at his side for so long and then there's that kind of you, you get those hints along the way and then and, and then it makes the turn better and i know nothing was done with virgil afterwards and <laughs> rightly so rightly so kind of thing but i think you know i think i think it's all gonna lend itself just to to wardlow just being even, that that even bigger bigger star still you know there's certain things here where aw maybe do spend a bit too much time on certain things there's other instances where something just suddenly gets rushed through much quicker than you than you think it should but I do like the way they're handling this one. It does feel like there's a there's a long term there's a long term plan with MJF, and there's a long term plan with Wardlow that's running in parallel to that. And you know, and little things like this just uh, add, add add great value. And um, um, I, I like the involvement of Dean Malenko as well. Just getting Dean Malenko yeah. on TV as well. I thought that was just a a good thing. It was just another make MJF just look like an absolute gobshite scenario that they've you know they've managed to put him in in plenty of those there that just try and get him a get a bit more heat on him and things uh, uh, along the way with just more gobshitedness and he can just add a, add another tick to his list there. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I I I, I think for me like. Maybe it's like one too many legends involved in stuff in AW recently is the only thing that maybe takes a little bit out of it for me. But I can't say I didn't enjoy it in the moment and I didn't enjoy getting to see Dean take a bump. Uh, we were just talking about ECW one night stand, weren't we? We were all like, yeah, imagine when they mm. pull him out of retirement and, go, and get him to do a match. Kind of timely, isn't it? Um, that he turned up on Dynamite as well. And yeah, more heat for, uh, for MJF, I suppose. So it does work. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I, I felt like it was a good start to Dynamite, but I don't know if I, I loved it as a show overall. Definitely better than, than recent weeks. Suffered a little mm-hmm. bit, I think, from, again, the fake crowd noise, kind of, you know, Friday Night Dynamite era feel of it a little bit. You know, it was very, it was very much a tape show. Um, but again, that's not to say it wasn't a marked improvement on the last few weeks. I feel like the, the in-ring, the actual matches themselves were were better. There was a couple of, of good promos on the show. It was, you know, again, not the uh, the depths of maybe uh, a couple of weeks ago, which was a, a particularly bad show. I mean, yeah, what were the uh, what were the other uh, highlights and, uh, and lowlights for you guys on this one? We, we have to talk Brock Anderson, no? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the title man from last week. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe he didn't turn on Cody. I'm sh- I was shocked. Like I thought, I thought that was coming, or like some kind of angle very like weird that. ending where Cody yeah. looked angry about it all, and I was a bit like, I don't quite get this. Have I missed something here at the end? But if that's his first match on television, mm. he did fucking brilliantly. Like mm. I'm sorry, like I don't know if I've heard people being quite critical of this, and it's like. If this guy has had no matches on television and you're putting him on primetime TV and he's playing Ricky Morton for quite a bit of this, but he's not missing a beat, he doesn't seem like he's completely out of place. His body is an issue. His look is an issue. Yes, mm-hmm. I get that. And that kind of stuff. That That is the kind of major thing. But 
I was fully coming in there expecting to be kind of think not really again like the MMA match, not really ha- having very low expectations, not really thinking too much. Mm. And this was like for me such like what you would think of. They talk about like old school tag team matches. This was it. There was there was the stuff with you know. I always loved the bit where they, you know, someone's going to make the the hot tag and they'll do something to distract the referee, and then they'll get the tag to the baby face and they'll run in, but the ref never sees it. That t- you put that in a tag team match, and I'm there, and mm. I'm kind of sold. And I went with this so much more than I thought I would do. I was just like the one thing I thought we needed was like an angle at the end, mm. like that's what that's what I kind of thought. But what I would say for like Brock Anderson though, yeah, like one match in for this, like. One match, he did fucking great. Hmm. Am I on an island on this? Sorry, because I, I saw some people hating it, and I just thought, it's like, what the hell were you? What the hell were you expecting? It'd be fucking Misawa after he's torn off his mask. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've I've given it two and a half. Like you know, on the on the app, I enjoyed it for the same reasons you did, JP. Of just it just been that classic tag team match structure, and but you know, to me, it was just it was a it was a standard TV tag there's, match. There's a match that took place. Match structure. It added novelty of it being Brock Anderson. You know, yeah. Brock Anderson being on there, and you know, he's you know, like like you say, he did you know. The body he did look a bit like someone cosplaying as Ann Anderson or something like that. Really, just some fan who had turned up or something like that. Because I don't know how much he looked like a uh, how much he looked like a wrestler. I think he had that element of a uh, lack yeah. of credibility um, that was uh, th- that was definitely standing out to me. But I thought the stuff that he did for his first time on TV and ring was 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 good. He sold well throughout the um, yeah you know from when. Uh, when they were on top, and it was like it was a it was a lovely DDT landed for on QT for the uh, for the off tag it, that that looked great. It, it really really looked uh, looked good. That, but yeah, all in all, for me, it was like yeah, this is a perfectly fine TV tag match, and I didn't take much more out of it than that, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> you lads a complete disservice here. What's he need to do in his first match? Eh? Does he have to pull out Kenny Omega and the Tokyo Dome style it's performances? Two and a half stars. Yeah, average is good. Average is good. Your first match. Yeah, it's decent. That's yeah. true. Take yeah. that. It's best of my first match. First? Was it, I was going to say, was your first match a two and a half star match? Better. It didn't last two and a half minutes, mate. Never mind two and a half stars. That's, <laughs> uh, that's Johnny Fear. What he thinks? Um, no, yeah. I mean. I enjoy him as a meme uh, more than Brock Anderson. I still think the way he debuted him was weird. I still think it's very much the Cody, you know, attention span issue we've been talking about for a while. Okay, now we where's Anthony Gogo gone? Okay, we're doing stuff with Brock Anderson now. Cool. There'll be another like wrestler's son who turns up in a couple of weeks and we'll do something with him instead. That's just that's just the Cody Rhodes way, isn't it? He wants to uh, wants to get involved in everything. But no, it was it was memorable. I'll, I'll give it that. Um, I enjoyed more to be honest. I really enjoyed Derby um, doing the handicap match with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. I thought that was mm. a that was a good little match. I mean, it's hard to star rate one like that because it's you know not really a tag match it was just more Darby getting booted around the ring but tell you who's good at getting booted around the ring fucking Darby Allen um, and Ethan Page as always looked like he was having the time of his life doing it um, yeah I got a, I got a lot of enjoyment out of that one to be honest on this show I thought that was a that was a great little segment yeah I thought I, I think um, I think you can see that Ethan Page has just got that little bit of confidence 
about him now. He's, he's mm. just like almost like one month or six months in, and he's just a bit more established now compared to the the first show or first two shows that he was on. He didn't feel like Ethan Page to me on them, whereas now I feel like there with his smug facials, like his, his, his facial work, his character, work is absolutely second on for me and I, again i just absolutely love there that he just feels you can tell he feels like comfortably in his own skin here and obviously he feels very comfortable being in there with darby allen and things like mm-hmm. that from their their history and i just um, while i'm not necessarily sold on him and scorpio sky as a, as a team and the pairing feels a bit odd to me and things they're clearly going with it because of obviously you know they're giving them a They've given them a bloody tag name now with like the the men of the year or or, or what have you. But no, I just uh, just just enjoyed this year as a as a segment. Like I say, from a match point of view, I think I've gone like two point seven five on this, so it's you know slightly higher than the than the last one. But just as something that was just enjoyable on the show, and like you say, just watching Derby get kicked <laughs> kicked around a bit, it's uh, always always good fun. And you know, you, again, just keeping you know keeping this going and you know leading to somewhere somewhere else i think that could uh could be somewhere could be still some more mileage in 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 this one and um you know whatever happens with with sting coming out of this one in the future as well but yeah so mm-hmm. it was an enjoyable enjoyable quarter an hour tv this one definitely definitely yeah I've, yeah I've, I've enjoyed the the but I, I've been higher on Scorpio Sky since the kind of beginning than, than anyone else. Of time. Uh, here. But, <laughs> since the PWG um, days. Yeah. Since the PWG. Mate, since Wrestling Society X. <laughs> that, 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 that's, where, that's where I am with, with Scorpio Sky. But I, I honestly, he, like, between him and Ethan Page, like, they've not really got much to go on on this. And it appears that they're doing the kind of most with it. And they're getting a lot of TV time at the moment as well, at a time that maybe they're taking off a lot of the, the kind of other more established names and the, who are off of kind of variety of reasons. And I like that. I like the fact that an Ethan page is kind of getting that shot and he's, he's perfect for that kind of TV wrestling mm-hmm. and he's a hell of a promo and he's motivated. And I think that's often been the problem with him maybe at times. And in an in impact, it's kind of like him being in the North as well as it worked. It was always kind of a weird fit in a way because he was like, he was more of a kind of like vicious heel. And and here, don't get me wrong, there's like a viciousness to it, but there's also like he gets to be a lot more kind of cockier, and that's where his kind of natural heel persona comes through. I can see him and Darby Allen having just some kind of batshit mental match coming up where they basically repeat the shovel spot, but mm-hmm. hopefully with a safe shovel this time. Right? <laughs> but I, that's what I expect. Mm-hmm. I expect it to go down that route, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them have come some kind of mad brawl all out because i think there's a they seemed very keen on the like revisiting this evolve feud and i don't know if those words are said a lot by promoters <laughs> do you know what we need to evolve you know what we need to to revive that evolve feud <laughs> on it it was great mm. how many other times are you going to say that <laughs> yeah all 10 people who watched it all will agree yeah. <laughs> when it worked <laughs> yeah I mean, I was going to ask as well, what did you think of the uh, the Andrade interview on the show? I thought that was um, particularly, uh, I don't know, I thought you came, came across as a bit of a star uh, in that thing. Strong, I think. Stronger than his debut. 
Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, <laughs> just not having, just by virtue of not having Vicky next to him, I think that was a huge help. Um, I know his English isn't great. At, at the start, I was watching it, going, "Why do you have subtitles on? He's speaking English." And then clearly there were questions he couldn't answer in English, so maybe that goes away to explaining why they were so desperate to give him a mouthpiece. Vicky Guerrero is still not my choice of mouthpiece. I had a little bit of a glimmer of hope when one they announced for some reason Vicky Guerrero and a match coming up which made me think, okay, maybe she's going to be doing other stuff because, yeah, that's what we needed, more Vicky Guerrero. But two, the fact that he said him and Vicky have got a surprise coming up, which made me think, oh, maybe the surprise is a better manager. <laughs> and she's just the person, because she did specifically say in a promo, I brought him to AEW. So, you know, maybe maybe there'll be a split off there. But, you know, maybe that's wishful thinking. But I did think, yeah, just sat there in the suit. The cool Trinidad. Fuck. That'd be the one. That'd be the choice, especially if Alistair Black's on the way long term. Um, yeah. But I did think, yeah, just being sat there, by virtue of being sat there in the suit, he's mm. looking massive right now. doesn't matter that he doesn't really speak very good English. He just came across as cool, and I thought this was a this was a win of a segment, and if anything, yeah, I think you're right, Gareth, if this was the uh, the intro, this would have really worked. Yeah, totally. Like you say, he just, he looked, and he, he had that look and feel of a star and star quality about him, and, you know, I think sometimes it's 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 not you know not used enough every you know everything doesn't have to be in front of like a live audience i think sometimes just in that sit down setting where something can be maybe presented a bit better you've got a little bit more control over how somebody is presented and how they look and feel and you know there's just like you know the camera obviously it had like the little almost like lead-in video package to him as well and things like that so it did just it felt like a prominent feature on the show and just made him feel a bit more you know prominent and and, and serious as well and yeah definitely definitely just made you feel like this is somebody who's coming into the company who's gonna you know be a bit of a difference maker and you know be someone who's going to be featured a bit more prominently you know it wasn't it wasn't you know pushing him down the route of, you know, as we've seen in the past with, with some other people, almost be just put in a little holding pattern or something like that before they can be 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 elevated. It feels like he's someone who's there taking a little bit of time with here and he's just going to be put into a put into a certain position. Cause we know in the ring that is, you know, where we talk about AW being, you know, having the capacity there to put on some like really top level matches and, you know, giving people that time and freedom to go out there and do it. God, you know, the people there that he can go out and work with within that company. Now there's God, there's some mouth watering matches mm-hmm. there that you can, you can piece together and, you know, just the, you know, obviously the, the idea of him and Kenny is obviously one that you immediately jump to in your mind. You know, those two could have absolute magic, you know. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be doing that for triple Mania. That was meant to be the the big kind of triple A match they were going to do, and I'm, I'm I believe fast. it's still on. Yeah, and it's how it that would fit the triple A mega title into the mix, wouldn't it? Mm. Like, I mean, and there's the kind of good storyline perspective that ties in quite neatly with AEW, so it makes sense to go to that. Maybe it was just me. I, I kind of would have preferred it if he'd almost done the whole interview in Spanish. Mm. Because I don't think I think when you got the sub, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference. Look at Penta, like. His English has never been great, but when he cut when he was cutting those primers, even in Lucha Underground, what you're getting is the passion. Mm-hmm. What you're getting is the kind of impassioned nature. I mean, we've heard, I've heard Tanahashi promos that are compelling, and I haven't got a clue what he's saying. Mm-hmm. This is pre Chris Charlton. Like, I think it, it's the kind of mannerisms and the way that that he would kind of carry himself. And I think the thing I liked about the sit down interview, at least, is you can hear wrestlers talk like human beings. 
Mm. Whereas if they're out in the ring having to do it in front of people, it kind of means you haven't put on that forced cadence and that kind of having to kind of raise your voice higher than what you normally would do. Mm. And effectively, the, the success of a character like that is one where like you want them to be able to kind of cut those kind of quieter promos. I think mm. that's the the kind of success. But yeah, like you intimated like, earlier on, it, it's who he's with and the money act is him and Thea Trinidad. If they're getting, if, if it's him and Tommy end, and I still a part of me doesn't quite believe the idea that I'll go, yeah, I'll tell you what, we'll let you off your release clause a bit earlier. And the rest of it, it seems a bit too weird for WWE to ever do, but that's the act. That's the one that works. Um, it's although he's not on a contract, isn't it? It is kind of still a per date and a number of appearances. Mm-hmm. So where he goes next, because I still think New Japan, he'll be there. I think he'll have one of those contracts. He'll be doing whoever. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, turns up in CMLL, even though they hate AAA. So I mean, he's still like Ring of Honor as well. Like mm. it wouldn't surprise me at best in the world if he turns up there. Mm. I think this is what we're going to see over the next couple of months is him turning up in lots and lots of places. Yeah. And we'll see which one of these sticks. Yeah. He's going to be that kind of guy. I think it's definitely, definitely the, the route forward as well. Um, but yeah, any, any, anything else stand out for you from, from Dynamite? I thought the six man was pretty good. Kind of enjoyed the mm. mixing of the numbers. I still didn't thought it was soon to give to a Frankie Kazarian in ring when he's doing this kind of lone wolf character. Um, but yeah, I kind of like the heel side being up being you know Matt Jackson on his own with the Good Brothers. Then was there an injury to Nick or something? Why they they went with that team instead? But it kind of freshened things up uh, a little bit. I enjoyed the the backstage promo with uh, with Frankie Penta and uh, and Eddie Kingston as well. Even if I'm kind of thinking, come on, Penta mate, I know you spent some money on that Joker outfit, but you know it's done now. <laughs> you know we've done one off a few weeks ago now, mate. You don't need to do it anymore. Um, but no, yeah. I got got some entertainment out of that. Even been out a while. Yeah, there is that too yeah yeah well again like a lot like a few things on the show like we you know we are feeling it feels a little bit holding part and it feels a little bit like you know we're, we're just waiting for the big saturday show this week we're waiting for the big wednesday show next week i mean they're outright just flooding announcements and matches for both of those uh those shows coming up but you know um decent enough for, as far as the highlight goes on the show as well yeah and, and yeah, there was... are... sorry go on go on <laughs> I was going to say it was really good fun. And I think this is the way you hide Luke Gallows is in six months. Mm. Like if you're going to have him around the place, I think this is what you do. And I, I think it was a laugh. It, it, those six, any of those kind of matches they've done, like the ones with like Brandon Cutler and stuff, they've always had enough kind of action in them for you to kind of get away with, for them to kind of be able to hide a few people and the rest of it. Um, Yeah. The, the Frankie Kazarian stuff the elite hunter stuff i I am reserving judgment because he was doing some sort of like biblical promo when you were talking about the the promos cutting backstage and i don't know i'm a bit like this is all a bit weird but i i find that there are the there are like smaller moments in dynamite that i kind of enjoyed like i know this is a kind of throwaway thing but when i went to the dark order and they're like asking adam page about well who do you think is going to win between jungle boy and and kenny omega because you're the number two contender and he kind of wants to avoid it and that's playing into a long-term character of him not quite having the self-belief that he's going to be, he could be the world champion. And like, it's something they've been kind of running with for a while. And I was kind of happy that even though they only went to it for like 30 seconds, that is there and that's there on the back burner. Um, I, I would say Alex Marvez's interviews 
I, I know I'm again probably on a on an island about this. I find it funny that whenever he's doing an interview with someone, that Kenny Omega will be there, Don Callis will be there, and it all gets very very silly very quickly. And I hated that. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to ask you about this, Benno, because like I know your your hatred of Kenny Omega as the you know the the turning that stuff up the volume of it too far because this like normally you you go on with this and normally I'm a bit like mm, I'm not quite in Benno's camp there you know like I, I, I don't mind it so much and it doesn't grate on me too much this one at the end of it I was like that was fucking dog shit and I, I really infuriated me how Kenny Omega was presented in that interview and I was thinking god if I feel like this I'd love to know what Benno was thinking right now watching this I was like fucking... because I was just I've literally just got that written down. Like, God, I wonder what Ben hated about this because this, <laughs> this is the Kenny shtick that I've hated. Like, God, I've never hated it. Like, I hated this. That whole when he's driving away, like, I'll get you next fucking week. Basically, like, blowing fucking, week, you know, yeah. like, oh. <sighs> basically, like, Awful. twirling his fucking nose at him or whatever. Like, twirling his mustache. <laughs> like, he's doing a comedy sketch on BTE. Not, not that he's the world champion of this company. This is, I mean, it's the same argument. All I'm glad you're on my side. I appreciate it because it's the same argument I always make. Yes, did I get some entertainment out of it? Yeah, it was a little bit funny in points. Is it the act of a main event wrestler, the the, the headline yeah. wrestler of the promotion? Does it sell in a serious way in any way the match? No, like it's comedy bullshit that belongs like in the opener and it's Kenny Omega once again needs to be protected from himself because every bit of it you know he wanted to do it you know he wants to do it like that you know he wants to ham it up and I know he's always had this hammy side to him like I know I've felt strongly about it than you guys have and people are going to go well he got away with it in New Japan well he did yeah but you know he also had some of the best matches in the world he's not having the best matches in the world right now in AEW sorry to break it to anyone Um, and he's not in particularly interesting feuds or in an interesting position so you can't really get away with it either. Like, I think that maybe that's like why, you know, it's maybe bothering you more, Gareth, or maybe I've just gotten through like over time. I've worn you down with my <laughs> hatred of this stuff. But yeah, it's just not main events is the thing. It's it's not going to sink the promotion. It's not going to sink Kenny Omega. But is it the optimum presentation of Kenny Omega? Absolutely not. I was just thinking, you're better than this. You should be better than this, can't you? should be being presented better than this, where Kenny's there talking about how he's packed his picnic box and he's got two knuckle sandwiches for oh, Jungle oh, Boy and stuff. Oh. I was just like, oh, I was like, what an awful, like, people talk about Vince McMahon giving, like, you know, Dean Ambrose at the at the time specific lines to say or Roman Reigns and things like that. I was thinking that's right up with them. If this was WWE and somebody was on WWE TV coming out with lines like that, we'd be fucking slating them, absolutely destroying them for it. And this is stuff that Kenny Omega's coming up with his own brain. Well, so yeah. like, you know, it's not like we can't blame anybody else for this. You, it's fucking it is stuff and ah, oh, it was awful. But the issue is here is you mentioned about it being the optimum presentation of him. It's like, no, it isn't. There is one. He just has no interest in doing it. Yeah, it's And true. that's the crux of the issue is that he doesn't want to do it. And this is very much like Kota Ibushi in, to a kind of different degree where it's like, okay, this is the way that you could have Kota Ibushi as champion. It seems like the thing that makes sense. And it's almost like a sense of, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Not interested in it. And it's you can't really get beyond it. Because then if you kind of force them into a situation when they're having to do it, then they won't do it with any gusto because their their heart's not going to be in it. So you're kind of trapped to the whims of him. 
and the problem is is the kind of reasoning with him of actually this is a really good way to build up jungle boy would be to kind of take him seriously as a threat you know but he's not going to do that mm-hmm. and i don't think he's ever going to do it in AEW and the only time that he ever stuck to it was at a time when he was only just coming into that serious main event new japan mix at that point he kind of went all right i'll go along with what you guys say and guess what he had you know four of the one of the greatest series of matches of all time against the Carter. So, you know, I mean, the toy story of matches as I've, <laughs> I don't know, though. I want to agree with you, but I, I do think, you know, he just didn't have the opportunity to do it, is the thing. I don't even think like it was rain, it was just he wasn't doing promos and backstage segments and stuff. It, no, I mean, well, saying that though, whenever he had the chance, he came out with a stupid fucking broom and did the six mans in his rockers tights, you know, and I hated yeah. all that stuff too. It was just like ignore it because it was six mans that I wasn't watching, um, and BTE that I didn't have to watch if I, if I didn't have to. It was more, yeah, you know. Well, what was he? What was he going to do on main shows? He's going to come out and have a five star match. That's that's what he. That's all he was there to do. And yes, he had the goofy post match promos. But I think by virtue of what those segments were, he kind of had to rein her in. This is this is Kenny Mega. You're right with complete free reign and complete power and autonomy to do whatever he wants in his segments. And it's like, oh, we need a segment this week to build up Jungle Boy. Oh, I've got an idea. I'm going to fucking yeah, ride off on a golf cart and you know the, the little fucking gobshite fucking handlers and followers he's got to gonna jump involved and do some do some comedy and yeah that's what it is I feel yeah. bad for having laughed at it now <laughs> he started mainly, all he wanted to do was put I'm over Alex Marvez <laughs> yeah I, lo- I find Alex Marvez funny it's really like the thing I'd like to like the lines and stuff he said it's like yeah you're all com- completely right Mm. But I find myself looking at Alex Marvez's bewildered face and I just find myself thinking, this is actually quite good kind of like observational, reactional comedy that he's doing here. It's whether you can't make an Irish comedy or not. That's the problem. Um. (laughs) Like, there are points when, again, he will do like a kind of well-timed kind of... There's been points like when Kenny Omega was doing the talk to the kids and Michael Nakazawa was there. Like, and he's talking about boosting new japan's business and i laughed at all of that stuff it's a great episode of the bta oh wait no it was on dynamite oh yeah good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh Benno. Uh, well yeah the, the other thing i just wanted to flag on this show was that, mm. oh, the, the other thing i wanted to flag on this show was the um they did a video package for FTR and Santana and Ortiz. And then if you think about how much dull stuff they've done between the pinnacle and inner circle with these like face-offs in the ring and things like that. And, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about the idea of breaking stuff out and not necessarily being the whole five on five and trying to get more mileage out of this. That was a great video package there with, with, with those two. It made them both look like fucking really good as a pair of, you know, tag teams there. I think that one video package alone made, me more interested in seeing these two teams go at it than any of these segments there where we'd have you know all five in the ring and then they all say a little bit here and there kind of thing and it's 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 passed around it you know this this really just got me thinking yeah now you feel like there's maybe a bit of um, a bit of a stronger emphasis being put on um, Santana and Ortiz as a tag team here and you know we've talked in the past about they haven't really been in the title scene and that was even something that was obviously referenced in this video package as well and the idea of these working together to you know a little tag series or 
you know, you know, where there's some straight up, you know, two on two matches here, and then maybe some with a few more steps down the line. It felt like a more natural kind of break off from this storyline and one that actually I was genuinely like really, really interested in. And then the outcome of it as well, of it, either of these two teams then again getting on the back of this, getting pushed towards that title scene a bit more and having, you know, two proper tag teams getting in there and going against the the books, whereas it feels like there's just been a bit of a, you know, makeshiftness probably to the, you know, to some of the young books tag, tag scene recently. Then, you know, this was on that I'm, I was fucking well up for, because I'm, I'm well up for that um, Salentano and Ortiz run. It's, yeah. I was going to say what, what this did is this adds a bit of depth to the tag team division, as in other storylines going on outside of the titles, which at the minute is not happening with the women's division, where it's all just Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and where's Thunder Rosa, where's Hikaru Shida. There's like, they're not, you need to be doing those kind of other storylines because those are the things that give depth and it gives that other tag team match on the card. Like, cause if they're doing this all out and say the, the bucks are defending and then you have this one there as well, you're thinking to yourself, well, the winners of that are going to take on then the, the winners of the tag match. It makes, it just gives the whole thing a bit more kind of depth and you're tying matches together that may not have had a kind of link there. Mm. And I think that's with this, it works. I also think as well, at some point, it might, we may be a sort of two, three years away from it. A Santana singles run. I think there's, I think there's something there with him, mm. just as a kind of a character, and the fact he's got that bit more size than Ortiz. But like again, and he can going, talk, and he, he can, talk. Is, yeah, really improved on that, hasn't he? Yeah, there's big time there. that one. He, he, he cut a promo a few weeks ago, and I was. It, I was genuinely taken aback by how good he was on the mic. I, did, I didn't realise that he had that in him. And then, so if he can add that to the, to the mix as well, like, yeah, definitely. There's, a, the, the, there's loads of legs there with him for the future. Just quickly on a, on an inner circle point, actually, before we do move on, didn't mention they have uh, they have announced for, uh, for the next Wednesday show, isn't it? Uh, MJF yeah. and, uh, and Sammy Guevara. Um, do we expect that? I, I wondered whether that was going to be a pay-per-view match coming up, to be honest. Uh, obviously, Jericho is still the end result, I suppose, but I don't know. That that feels like the one of the single. I completely agree with you on the tag match. Like that's gonna that's got to rule. Like I I, I wish mm. the I wish this feud hadn't been done backwards, to be honest. I wish we got these matches two months ago and you know we were heading towards blood and guts at, at some point instead of like the backwards way they've done it. But you know, the fact that we are getting these matches now as as standalone matches, I think they are gonna be good. But I almost feel like yeah, Sammy and MJF was gonna get maybe a bit bigger villain than this. We're just kind of just getting it next week, you know? Yeah, it's, it is a bit weird because it's the first time they've ever met. Mm. So, and it, and this feels long-term, this is the feud that you're meant to be building building to, whether MJF crushes the legacy of Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara is the natural kind of like protege to kind of take it on because clearly he's more focused and he's also bigger, Sammy Guevara, isn't he, in size? He looks less like a junior, like as as time is going on there mm-hmm. as well. I kind of wonder if we'll get. I just imagine we're going to get a bullshit finish, and that this is only kind of an early step one in their kind of feud, and that we'll probably have the Jericho match at all out. I'd imagine MJF will win, mm-hmm. and then at that point we'll get into kind of him and Sammy a lot more. 
Mm. Maybe if he's beaten Sammy, he can then say, well, I'm not fighting you again. I'm not interested in fighting you. You know, there, there, there's many ways they can kind of get around it. Yeah, I, I just feel like the Definitely. big Sammy babyface run's got to be coming. Like, uh, there's money there. Like, even him doing that run out and getting his own entrance, you know, at the end of that cage match that we didn't mention, like, they must see it. And, yeah, I kind of see this as a bit of a springboard for him. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, like, you know, JP says here, it's 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 one of those feuds that this is something that they, you know, they're the future of the company, aren't they? We've talked mm-hmm. in the past about this core of young talent that they've clearly marked sort of, you know, four or five, you know, where you've got like your Darby Allen in there, you've got Wardlow in there and things like that. Some guys who are almost like long-term jungle projects boy. that they're going to, Jungle Boy as well, that that, that are going to be the, the cornerstone of the, the business for years to to come. And yeah, it, it, it definitely feels like what JP said there, that it's um, it's like first steps on the uh, on the way. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm just loving here, just as I'm like looking at the time here is ticking on and like how long we've been talking about this is we're literally talking about this has been like a Friday night show that we were like, yeah, it was an all right show sort of thing. But again, there's so much stuff going on mm-hmm. and so many different elements there that we were able to talk about this in that level of depth. And you're talking about things that are coming in in advance and there's, you know, a lot of largely what we're talking about there is very positive stuff and i think it's just like well, that's strange in a minute shows, mate isn't it shows, shows what a good reflection it is because can you imagine doing this with the bra or smackdown sitting <laughs> well, down and we talk for an hour where we, where, where we literally just break you know there's there's you I'm, know literally eight or nine segments or features on the show that you know we could talk in that sufficient depth about because it feels like it's going somewhere or it's contributing to something bigger or it's something that you think mm-hmm. can you know further down the line or or even if it's something negative that you feel like you can critique in a certain way because it could be be, be improved i think again i think it's just one of those things where, where with dynamite even when it's the show is kind of just like yeah that was quite a average fun show there's still so much going on and plenty of, of development and things going on that it's giving you things to think about and talk about. And that's kind of all I want from a TV wrestling show is it's something yeah. that I can watch, sit down, enjoy. Everything doesn't need to be five star, but it's something where there's there's multiple things throughout the show that I'm going to be like engaged with and, 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 and want to watch. And, and that's, you know, that's where this is that this is delivering big time you know and it's 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 such a um it's it's one of them where you can't hold something to be this highest level every single week on a on on, on a weekly basis and as, as long as it's delivering on those those elements then i'm always going to be ch- tuning in and always going to be positive about wanting to watch it yeah, it's like one of my mates said to me on Saturday, it's like, ah, use AW, you'd always get like, l- l- launching into it on the podcast, well, mainly me, and I was like, no, it's 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 that we care about it, like, it's because we're invested, it's like, when it's bad, or like, you know, a Kenny segment like that one happens, or like I say, that terrible episode a couple of weeks ago, like, you know, we feel strongly about it, and I've got thoughts about it i want to talk about it i want to talk about what could you know they could have done better what i'd rather see what you know what how i hope things shake out and because overall it's you know the best wrestler on tv it's it's a thank god it exists because like you say we're not going to be doing this about wwe when we talk about that in a second you know it's kind of like we're past the point of caring really like that's the difference with AEW. we Mm -hmm. we actually care and we are invested well if you care about the industry and you want the industry to succeed we need AEW to succeed and in order for AEW to succeed on a level where it forces wwe to change which is part of this where that would be the best thing for them so then you've got like a kind of two companies hitting all all on all guns blazing 
that's when you get your Monday Night Wars and you get 10 million people watching this kind of stuff and you hit into the popular zeitgeist. If people aren't critical of it, then that's how they rest on their laurels because mm-hmm. that's happened throughout wrestling as well. So the kind of what we have always labeled the kind of toxic positivity of never being critical of anything is in fact the worst thing for the industry because it needs basically whole series of critical fans going, no, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, and this is why. And then at least you've got those voices and at least you're you're kind of willing to listen to it. And that's something that they're with, that they've shown that they're able to listen to and respond to, which then fills you full of hope. But yeah, ultimately it's because we care. Mm. You know, as we'll get on to in a moment, we'll, well, we'll, we'll then demonstrate what happens when we don't care. Speaking of promotions we don't care about, yeah, and there is a reason. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the world's biggest wrestling company had a pay per view on Sunday, and it's an hour and thirty four minutes, and we're about to talk about it. Um, yes, speaking of promotions we don't care about, yeah, Hell in a Cell was <laughs> on Sunday. I think we're all at like various stage of completion with this show because who cares (laughs) it's like i watched like the first couple of hours live and then i had a couple of jobs to do and then you know i missed a match or two and i put it back on and watched the main event and i mean we talk about a show where like you know remind i mean i don't think it's even worth going you know are we going to rehash the same discussion we always have about wwe like there's only so many times you can say it but like you know i think this show was a good example of no matter, even if you think the in-ring's average, if you think the in-ring's good even, like, when there's finishes like the way on this show, and there's a lack of respect for the audience. Like, I, I mentioned before, AEW are clearly in a holding pattern right now, clearly not the most interesting stuff is happening. They're waiting to get back to normal TV. This felt like a pay-per-view, though, where WWE was just like, this pay-per-view's an inconvenience. Like, oh, why is this pay-per-view happening? We're getting crowds back soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got other pay-per-views coming up. Ah, do we really have to have a pay-per-view? So they're like, yeah, fuck them. We'll throw some matches out there. We'll cut a match, like, with the most interesting wrestler on the roster from the show. And like the ones we do to give you, uh, you'll get a roll up here, you'll get a DQ there, you know, whatever. You know, rematches are coming anyway. We don't care, so why do you? <laughs> that was that was the message I got loud and clear coming out of this show, and it was just, it's a malaise, really, isn't it? It's hard to even pick out lowlights and highlights to talk about it. That's that's the extent of how much I care about WWE at this point. Between this and takeover is mm, around. Oh, take takeover any time after this. <laughs> oh yeah, NXT always like, forgiven. Oh fuck me! It looks like um, bloody when worlds collide. Takeover. <laughs> no, I mean that, that's actually not not entirely true. It's just it's just nothing. I was just watching it, going nothing on this really mean. None of this means anything, and. All of the storylines, like are these, the best storylines you've got in the company overall. Mm-hmm. This is the highlight of your TV. This is what you build up to. It's just completely devoid of any real cre- creativity. And I think from the moment they switch it on, I think there's a contest in my head to see whether they use the word sadistic, barbaric, demonic, or hellacious more times. <laughs> and I can never quite work out because it's this same dialogue around the hell in the cell and. The issue is they have at, talk about killing the gimmick, like and I think we, there was something about we were talking about Ultimate X matches going. Oh, there's too many of those. Jesus, I think on the on the weekend show, Benny, you told me there were sixty of these that they've had, and like you said, you remember the first two, mm-hmm. and then after that, they mean nothing. There is nothing that they can do with this gimmick that is new or different. 
So you've seen it all before, and it's the same kind of stuff. And it doesn't matter how work, how hard they work or how much they throw themselves into it. You just hit a point and go, well, you've got this big cell around you, and it and it doesn't really matter. And the thing that they're really interested in is the Alexa Bliss supernatural bullshit. That's the kind of stuff that gets them going, and you know it because that's the stuff that they kind of like they're working it into the story of the match. And it's, you know, I, there, there are matches on there where I thought yeah, people worked hard. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens did loads of stuff that was, that was good. How many times have they wrestled and why should I give a shit this time mm. as opposed to any other time? Like when they're going to have these matches and then they're going to go away and they're going then they're going to have another one of these and then and then they'll have them with someone else and then they'll have another one and it's just it's groundhog day mm-hmm. but it's like it's it's just so bad like i just hit a point now where i don't get the reaction i feel like bill murray at the <laughs> point where i'm thinking with this company i need to get the car and I need to kidnap Phil. I'm just driving off the fucking cliff. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it's like. I, th- I think that meaninglessness that you that you just point out there, JP. Like, I think that's the whole that, that that's the whole issue with me. And then when you just think of a like match of this this type as well. Like, if you said to me, Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley headlined Hell in the Cell last year or you know I think did they maybe they did kind of thing you know and like I'd have I'd have no idea either way whether it was right or wrong because it just doesn't this whole concept now just doesn't leave a mark in your in your in your mind because you know like you say there's nothing that they can do to make it stand out that hasn't been done before because the matches are too too frequent I mean I was looking there just on the app just to see how like you know what hell in the cell last year like 2020 even looked looked like and it wasn't even this time last year it was it was october last year and i was thinking that's not even that long that's not even one year ago that there was a hell in the cell pay-per-view and i've literally got zero memory of it and i'm like scrolling through there and then i got to like the the fact that there was bailey and sasha banks had a match and i was like oh yeah i remember i actually remember that now but the main event on that show drew mcintyre versus randy orton like fucking what like like you know if you there's no way in the world that you'd have ever, ever known that. that I, 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 I couldn't tell you if it was a cage match or not or or, or whatever and, and I think that's just this with this is like in six months time someone's going to ask you about this show and you're literally just not going to nothing of consequence is going to stand stand out in your mind it's just you know it just feels like an an irrelevance and like you like well i can't remember which one of you said but it does it just felt like it was an inconvenience in the schedule for them that mm-hmm. it's like oh we just need to just get get these matches out there fill that two and a half hour now that we're you know we contracted contractually need to provide a peacock and let's move on to the <laughs> let's move on to the next one it's uh it was uh, I mean I mean and this is me saying this having only watched two matches on the show <laughs> because I because I didn't feel like there was any reason to watch, watch more than two no, matches on the show. I was looking at the lineup and I no, see like and it's like Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. I'm like, what again? Are they still you know, this is this still happening? And then I look on the app and it's like a three star match and I'm like, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn having a three star match in twenty twenty one. Do I really need to spend half an hour of my life watching this? Because it's you know the what what's the how, how vital is this what's the consequences of, of this it's not even a standalone good match there's no point in watching it. there's literally no reason to watch that that match and you know and uh, again i think that's uh, 
just generally the way I feel about this as a whole. I literally watched the main event because I thought I better watch the main event because we're going to be talking about this show on the podcast. So I'll watch the main event. And then I watched Alexa Bliss against Shayna Baszler because I wanted to laugh at it and I wanted to, you know, mock the ridiculousness of what no doubt happened in in, in that match. And like, that's never a good sign that, you know, the, uh, the, the other choice other than the main event that you choose to watch is something that you basically want to take the piss out of. <laughs> mm. Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in a, like, a, a hole now of looking at previous Hell in a Cell main events. Like, how do you said that now? Apparently, <laughs> apparently Fiend versus uh, Seth Rollins was the year before that, Gareth. That was, that, that was 2019. So this could be worse. Oh. You know, we could be talking about that, which has got a... Uh, what's the, the grapple average on that? It's 0.74. <laughs> Remember that? I remember the that. Light. That's the one who's going to use the big mallet. Is that right? That's the one. Year before as that. If Timmy, as if Timmy Mallet interfered. <laughs> year Is that two that? years ago? That's two years ago, yeah. That feel, that could be this year, though. Because year before that is Roman versus Braun. No recollection of that. Two stars on the app. Uh, year before that, 2017, is Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. I feel like I should remember that. Don't really remember that. <laughs> did, did we talk about that, JP? I feel like maybe we did. Year before that, Sasha Banks v Charlotte Flair was the main event. If that was this year, if you told me that happened on this show, I might believe you. Um, like that's <laughs> yeah. that's five. That's half a decade ago. Fuck me. I, I was just going to start throwing out random names like Seth Rollins versus Randy Orton. That was probably a <laughs> probably on the main event, doesn't it? I got Seth Rollins yeah. versus Kane on 2015. So you're close. <laughs> We're getting a bit. Uh, <laughs> But you know what I mean? It just all bleeds into each other, doesn't it? It's all all the same old shit. Um yeah. everything is. This mm. this venue is death. Oh, it's so bad. This venue, it? like and it's the last time it is dystopian hell. This mm. like for wrestling. It's just awful. It's because they they're pumping in the noise and you're just looking at a, again, I've brought the point, just a series of just faces that reminds me of the end of the black mirror episode eight million credits like where it's just a series of avatars watching mm-hmm. these watching them wrestle and there's no reaction and you're just thinking like honestly you like at least the capital wrestling center had people there mm-hmm. like i'd take that over this but it's yeah it, it just all of this stuff and you mentioned some of the finishes so a couple of these where I sort of was like, what? What? What is? What's the purpose of that? Mm-hmm. And so even from after this, it's such a holding pattern that there's a few of these matches where you go, is that there? So you can just have the match next time. And I thought, well, at least it's SummerSlam in the stadium. No, Money in the Bank is the <laughs> next one. Another gimmick completely killed. And I'm like, oh god, of course, because it has to be ladder matches. So I'm right in thinking it's just pretty much either cage ladder, cage ladder, extreme rules, you know. Mm. But all of these shows are extreme rules. Every fucker goes through a table. Well, it's all perfectly legal, JP. It's meaningless. When has it been illegal now <laughs> at this point? 1996. Although there was like, I would say one of the worst DQ finishes I've seen in a while. I was quite reminded by that, the the um, Charlotte Flair Rhea Ripley match. Did you yeah. see that? What she got DQ'd for? Yeah, hitting her head on the uh, hitting her head with some, with a bit of an ounce table, which I feel like happens in every match. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, mm. like it, it's 
But that's not perfectly it's legal. It's bad. If this... If this was a busier week, like last week, there'd be a really good argument for like, well, or like a couple of weeks ago, especially, we'd be like, right, we're not fucking talking about this. Mm. There's nothing interesting to talk about. And that's where it is. So as bad as NXT is, and I did a big rant about that last week, just about sheer, the sheer boredom levels. And I still haven't brought myself to watch the apparently amazing 15 minutes at the start of NXT, but it, it doesn't in any way convince me it's going to be any good from now on with Samoa Joe Enforcer. Um, Samoa Joe in the Edward Woodward equaliser role. Like, <laughs> this is, you know, at this point, it, it's there. If you can't see there are problems with this company, I, I don't know what to say. Your, it'd be your vision of what wrestling should be completely drastically differs from what me and millions other lapsed fans of WWE are finding out. Because how would you be excited for anything else coming out of the, out of this show, mm. other than Bobby Lashley's really found himself as a wrestler in his foot in his forties? That's the kind of your big takeaway. And Drew guess. emoted a bit more, but uh, sorry, <laughs> Drew's going to get thrown on like, like as soon as like Brock and you know uh, Rock's probably going to come back. Cena's going to come back. Like I saw a couple of people tweeting yesterday. Drew is the empty arena champion, and Vince McMahon is going to be done with him very, very soon. Whether they stick to the uh, the uh, the stip of uh, the main event that he can that he can never challenge again, and you know Bobby Lashley's got muscles, so he's 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 all right for now. But you know I don't think he's getting his dream match with Brock either. I think those lads are uh, are going to be forgotten um, soon enough. But well, Sean Ross Sapp was reporting that Brock is very close to coming back mm-hmm. yeah he's in and talks i thought again. we might do brock versus bobby and roman versus cena that always seemed like the kind of likely summer sam plans no yeah and that you know their money matches like you know like garrett said you know the, the week before last like that you know might as well if you're going to be wwe you might as well wwe it up and mm-hmm. give me big money matches give me cena and roman give me you know brock and roman and whatever but the problem is everyone who's left behind can you know i to give the the show a, you know a fair shout you know dom mentions there really in the chat really enjoyed charlotte and rhea ripley i didn't think it was a bad match to be honest but like you look mm-hmm. at the grapple average of it 2.66 purely because of the finish you know no matter how much you invested in the work of the two women in the match you know that investment is not rewarded at the end of it you know bobby lashley and drew mcintyre you know that was i'd probably give it three and a half stars the average is 3.55 on grapple right now they worked hard they you know took some stiff hits there was a there was a funny moment that you've seen the gif where Drew allegedly got thrown through a table over the top rope and you can literally see on camera somebody pushing bits of table out from under the ring to make it look like you went through a table rather than land on a crash pad, which is probably what happens. I mean, that's just funny. I mean, that's botchamania stuff, isn't it? Like, uh, you know, I, don't, I suppose if it's a tape show, maybe you can get away with stuff like that, but it kind of sums them up at the moment. And that's a match where, you know, it's a... The eight million time they've wrestled, not counting the matches in TNA, um, you know, and Garrett Kidney will remind you of those, yeah. putting the uh, the tweets out of those matches constantly. Anytime there's one of those matches happening in WWE, he's quick on the uh, on the link to the YouTube video of the uh, the TNA equivalent. But that match has happened a lot. You know, they had the big step on it, which a lot of these big steps lately have felt like desperation. They had Jeff Hardy threaten to, you know, retire on like just a random Raw the other week. <laughs> like they just I feel, you know. Case in point, Rey Mysterio and Roman Reigns taking place on SmackDown, which apparently is a one annoyed the Peacock people and the Fox people are already annoyed because 
Um, the WWE are constantly promoting Peacock on Fox, uh, according to Meltzer today. You know, just creating more issues for themselves, really, there. But that's another desperation move. That was clearly a desperation ploy for ratings on, on Friday. Um, and like I say, yeah, this Lashley-Drew McIntyre match where, you know, the lads can go out there and work as hard as they like. But at the end of the day, if they're going to get, like, you know, a shitty finish like that, a roll-up in a Hell in a Cell match because... God forbid we, you know, <laughs> we make one person look strong and, you know, we have to protect everybody and therefore nobody gets over. Like, that kills that match as well, where I'm like, even 3.5 seems, seems generous, even if I did enjoy, like, some of the, the big lads' action. And then Gareth Lodders had a 3.5 being generous, because I'm guessing guessing he was lower by virtue of Drew being in there. But, you know, it's almost, it's not the wrestler's fault. You know, there was good work in that match. There was good work in the, like say, the Charlotte Rhea Ripley match. But what does it matter when it's also meaningless? And yeah, particularly on this night when the finishes are so shite. Like, do we need the finish man? God, like uh, after this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm nodding there. It's like, it's been less than that. I have gone 3.25. So oh, I've only okay, that's big for you. That's basically five. I, I, I was, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was going to be more harsh on it and, get, and give it a three, but it was, you know. It was it was one of them. I enjoyed it to to that level. There was some you know some decent added and stuff in there, but you know between the between the two of them and the, you know a few like good little spots. Obviously the finish finish ruined it all in all. But I would still come back to the fact that it's yeah I'm giving that three point two five, and I also give the main event of Dynamite three point two five, which was just some thrown together six man tag team match that. You know, was going on for twenty minutes on on TV. This is the main event for your world title in a hell in the cell, and it's as passable and as good as the, as as that basically. And I think the you know the grapple average probably like reflects that as well. That there's you know there's plenty of people out there, and it's at it's at three and a half on on average. So you know it wasn't wasn't pulling up any trees for anyone else either particularly there but yeah i think i think like you say but the idea that with the finishes here that it's a it's a bloody main event hell in a cell match and it's one with a fucking you know it's it's one with a fucking roll up it just no respect it, for the like, what, what they're doing from this what 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 they do what they're doing from this point and, and i think one of the things that really stands out to me and especially like listen to to both you and jb talking there as well is 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 this idea that they can't get existing hardcore wrestling fans interested in the wrestling product of the biggest company in the world. Then how the hell do they expect to attract new fans to the product? And I, I just don't I just don't see, I just don't understand how anybody could watch this from cold now of a certain age, 13-year-old somebody randomly watching this or something like that and being like, oh, this is great. This, you know, this is something that I want to watch all the time. And it's clearly not happening because of just the way the ratings are falling backwards as well. And when you see the, you know, you see the um, you know, the demographic of the audience as well of, you know, people um obviously like fall into that older category as well you know they're not not attracting those um those new fans as well i mean i literally had the alexa bliss shana baszler promo on at the start um and alex walked in the room and he was just sort of like staring at the tv just like and he sort of was looking at the tv and he was looking back at me and it's like alexa bliss on a swing just going back and forward and then it's the whole thing with the the doll and the mirror and stuff like that and um and then he just you know he just turned and he's just saying to me like 
he was like, what is this crap? And I, he was like, is this wrestling? And I was like, yeah. And it was like, there people talk about, you know, being, being shamed to be seen watching certain things in wrestling. I'm like, uh, getting shamed by my 10-year-old son because of how bad something is. And, and his literal first view of it just been like, what is this crap kind of thing? And I was just like, <laughs> you know what? You're right. Whereas later... He came in the room when I was watching that Aussie Open Velocities match from PWA and he just kind of stood and he just watched and he just, he didn't say a word and he just observed for five minutes, which for him and his general dislike of wrestling anyway, the fact that it just caught him and engaged him and he watched it for that five minutes, I thought that was amazing how in just one night there, I just got two examples of how wrestling to just a fresh pair of eyes there and a young pair of eyes when most people get into wrestling can just be perceived to be crap or something that held your attention. And it was, it was fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. I showed your tweet to uh, my <laughs> eldest son who I watched some of that um, Shayna Baszler, Alexa Bliss stuff. And he was like aware of who Alexa Bliss is. And he just went, why is she dressed up like a little girl? And he's like, is this to attract pedos? It's the word that he used, <laughs> the phrase he used. And it was very hard to think, well, you know, do you know what? This appears to be what they're leaning into with lots of this stuff, regardless like, mm. of those people who say she's not a kid. She's dressed up as a fucking doll and she's on a swing all the time. But yeah, it's, the, it's, magic. The, it's the kind of ultimate humiliating stuff. It's the stuff that when I say I've, I have to watch this before tonight and I'm annoyed that I'm I'm watching this before we have to. Really don't. We say this every time. We don't. No, the completest in me, the completest in me forces myself to do it. It's not you forcing me or Gareth forcing me to do it or listen. It's just like there's part of me goes, let's see how bad this gets. And you go, yeah, this is bad. This is kind of up there. This is humiliating an MMA star. Mm. You know, like really, look at the wasted jobs. Like they've got for Shayna Baszler, what well, she was like in NXT. Uh, what have they done? Mm-hmm. Team her with Nia Jax as she does some weird possessed scream and slapping Reginald, who apparently Vince McMahon's very interested in, which sums him up. He's interested <laughs> in a side character who adds nothing to any wrestling storyline. Yeah. But he's interested in that. It's just like retire, mate, because mm-hmm. you're clearly not interested in the rest of it, are you? Mm-hmm. If that's your focus, it's yeah. And that was I mean, so I went bad. One, one star because it, it made me embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. But there was at least there was kind of work in it, so that's why I've not gone for like a point five. But I feel that's too much. I'm borrowing this point from like I saw somebody make it today. I wish I knew, knew it was, but like you know WWE. How many documentaries have they got out there making fun of WCW? And they'll yeah. use Rick Steiner and Chucky, or they'll use Ultimate Warrior talking into a mirror, like. Like this has got all of that in one segment. <laughs> like it's got all of it, and it's ten times worse. And it's you know, yeah, you don't see much of that anymore, do you? WWE doing documentaries where they dump on the shit here. Road Dog hasn't got a shitty fucking botchamania ripoff show anymore where they they spend time dumping on WWE because the current product mm. is definitely worse than as uh, you know. We're gonna we will yeah. go back at some point and do like a Russo show or a last last month of WWE or a first month of WWE. Nothing we watch is gonna be worse than this. Like that that is they are the depths that we are we are at at this point with this product. That's how bad it is. And mm-hmm. then when they start to do shitty and when then when we shit on the product, 
mm. and people that were being negative about it. It's like we're negative because this is terrible stuff. This is objectively terrible. It's quantifiably terrible if you look at television ratings and everything else. Like we're not saying this in a in a kind of vacuum. This is very much happening and going on as we speak, and it's 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 hard. Like we all know what the solution is. Mm. Like you you remove Vince McMahon from any position of power in that company because to say he's lost it is an understatement to people who've lost it. Mm. Like, I think it's offensive to them. I mean, this is just, it, it's so, so dull. There's, there's no creativity and this is the stuff they're interested in, isn't it? Mm. Like that's the stuff that gets them going. They couldn't give a shit about the million and one brilliant wrestlers who are in fucking various warehouses mm. around the world. Thing is, the danger is, is it's you've got the whole WWE um, Hydra um, syndrome in that you cut one head off and um, yeah. two more will emerge in their place of uh, Triple H and Stephanie. And my yeah. God, I don't it's think like I have. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I've got much confidence in, um, in the pairing that maybe comes next beyond that either. To, to be honest, and uh, and I don't want to. You know, I'm just, it's like we're talking about this. We talked about that show. I've talked about not watching much of it and. Quite frankly, I just don't give a fuck, and I'm perfectly happy not to, not to watch it. And as long as we've got the as, as long as we've got the alternatives out there, we now that we have got that alternative product that we can talk passionately and critically about, then fuck this lot. Like, really, the the, the, the serves zero purpose in my life. If Raw was if good, it'd be an inconvenience. Though. No, it'd be an inconvenience. Like, yeah. I don't want to watch Raw every yeah. Monday. I don't want to sit and watch three hours. I like doing this podcast on a Monday night. Like, I don't I almost don't yeah. want it to be good. I just, yeah. I mean, it, it's unfortunate. Like, you know, people will say this, like, you know, imagine any, sp- you know, people go, well, you don't like it, don't watch. Or And then when you don't watch, it's like, well, do you know, it's bad if you're not watching it. It's like, listen, if we were a What football- kind of fan are you for not watching? If we were a football a podcast and we thought the Premier League, and the Premier League was as bad as WWE is, like, and this isn't going to happen in any legitimate sport, but if the top level was as bad as WWE is, like, for some reason, the Premier League just fucking sucked. If we were a football podcast, you best believe we'd talk about it. We'd have to, we'd reference it at least, you know, that the industry leader is somehow, like, the worst. Um, mm. It's just, a, it's a strange position to be in. That's just, yeah, to be in a wrestling fan, unfortunately. Especially WWE fan. Mm. isn't it because it's 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 very it gets very culty at mm. that point where mm. there is no acceptance that any of this is bad oh yeah and I've, I've like to them people once or twice and, and there's a lot of straw man arguments you know, like well you wouldn't have said this about the undertaker it's like no i did say about the undertaker i'm sure we said it about the undertaker like loads on this show over the years we've said some horrific things about it like all of any supernatural stuff in wrestling it mm. should be gone there's no, there's no good reason for any of it. It's, it was Joe's bait noir. It's something that there's never been any good excuses for it as well. Like I think Supernatural and wrestling kind of should have live and die at the Chamber of Horrors match in, in Halloween Havoc ninety one. <laughs> I think that for me is as supernatural as I ever want wrestling to get. Because at least I had a bloody good laugh at that. But this, nah. Oh, and that main event, by the way, because I didn't say, um, yeah, I went 3.25. Fair enough. Mm. Yeah. And that's as high as I went on the show. I'm just uh, just skipping through yeah. my ratings, you know. Cesaro, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins uh, nicked um, Deshaun and Black from, from Loki. I enjoyed that. That was about the only thing I liked in the match. It gave me 3.25 stars. They, they went out there. They worked hard. They had the WWE forgettable. Mm 
undercard match. Owens and Zayn, like I feel bad because I heard like Pollock raving about it on the uh, on the post review, and Way was kind of like yeah, it was all right. And I watched it, and I was like, yeah, it was all right. And then I saw the grapple rate, and I was like, okay. John just really liked it for whatever reason. And, like, I really like Owens and Zayn. I agree with some of what he said in that review that, you know, they go out there and they don't phone her in. They try and come up with new things to do, you know, when they're in there with each other. But, you know, there's only so many new things you can come up with when you've been in the ring together, you know, this many times. But, yeah, I went 3.25 for that as well. Um, yeah, nothing nothing past that point for me on this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I went three stars three uh, like three stars of the Rollins I was bothered by the fact he was stomping on his arm and mm-hmm. then he used that arm in order to cradle Cesaro up which would use the arm loads obviously so that didn't kind of make any sense and I just went fucking Rollins for you and then just kind of forgot all about it but yeah it, and I think that's the issue with it is like there's only the kind of one really bad match which is I think was it last month on their paper you had the zombie stuff so, you know, I come to expect that because I have such <laughs> low expectations of them. But nothing else is like what you would say is kind of gripping or dramatic or exciting. I'm not getting any of those kind of emotions. Mm. Yeah. But it's difficult to get those emotions when I'm being told that everything is barbar- barbaric, hellacious, demonic, and uh, and what other fucking awful phrases they use? Well, uh, well they were being, being very uh, subtle to uh, let, us, let us all know that Bobby Lashley is almighty. They only managed <laughs> Corey Graves only managed to mention it sixty-seven times before the bell even fucking rang. Like it was just like, <laughs> come on, like this is just you know, this, talk about try try and take you out of it before the match even starts. Just feed this line, feed this line, feed this line. The almighty Bobby Lashley, almighty Bobby Lashley. But you know, it's just like. Oh, he's so almighty. I'm just like, for fuck's sake, come on. Do we really need this force down our throat with a shovel? Like, you say it twice and it's fine. We get it. Perfectly legal, Gareth. Perfectly legal, Cole. <laughs> Once you hear those things, I heard voices talking about it. And um, I think it was Andrew. Oh, the, the, no. the first notice of the tag thing. When you see like a tag match the next day, and it's like literally every time it's a tag, WWE commentators have to say tag. <laughs> like Once you hear it, you will never unhear it because it's just tag, tag, tag. Like we're blind. And like they have to, like I say, the perfectly legal stuff where they have to remind us of the rules of the, the hell in the cell every time. And it's like, yeah, it's TV for idiots. Um, and they've got no respect for that all. The inspo. Hey, what's new? Um, well, at, least somebody had been, at least somebody had been watching their um, Kendo Nagasaki, Robbie Brookside, um, Stephen yeah. Regal videos anyway, and pulled out the old hypnosis angle from 1989 <laughs> and got Nia Jax to <sighs> slap somebody about um, by staring, staring at her. Awful. Awful. Really. Yeah. Well, we're on to that point in the show. Can we watch that, the taste that I'm You guys watched anything better this week? Is there anything uh, anything else you've been watching that would uh, that is, is more worthy of the time than WWE TV? I know you've been busy, JP. I'll talk about it because sometimes it, as a show, we, we mention it. And I think I mention it more on the weekend show than anything else because, hey, it's always on on a Friday. But New Japan's strong. Um, there you go. It's and- nice. Like, do you know what? Like, I, and I've been kind of with New Japan strong at the beginning. Do you know what? I can get why people wouldn't want to watch it because of the empty, the no crowd stuff. But I'll say this: like, I enjoyed um, like the Josh Alexander Alex Coughlin match that they had 
and I thought Coughlin was Coughlin. Uh, I always say Coughlin because that's my cousin, Johnny Coughlin, um, who lives in New York. He, that's how you say his surname, so I'm going to say it for him. Um, it was more of a showcase for him than it was for Josh Alexander, but it was just really good. Like, it felt like the kind of blood sports stuff that um, Coughlin was doing against, I want to say it was Royce Isaacs. They kind of did a little mini feud in blood sport. And it felt kind of more like that, where it was a real like kind of grappling battle. And he, he's a big lad. So um, I thought they had a really good match. And the fact it was like they were saying, yeah, Josh Alexander from Impact Wrestling. And they were like kind of really putting him over. And I was like, oh, God, if they can get him in. That's a really good get of someone who's a fresh face for them. And we, we said this before. That was that was good. I think I, I don't think I've rated it yet, but I was going to do sort of like three and a half, which is the upper end of these these strong shows. Then at the same time, they had the Barrett Brown Bateman versus Adrian Quest, Fred Rosser, which they've just they've been doing like a dissension angle between Barrett Brown and Adrian Quest, which no one should care about. But do you know what? They're bothering with some stories of very undercard people in New Japan on these New Japan USA shows. And you know, I'm more interested in that than New Japan main roster. You could tell me I'm more interested in this storyline than I am with anything with Tetsuya Naito. Like that, that which says a lot again. And the main event, JR Kratos versus Satoshi Kojima, it was what you'd expect it to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm in, JR Kratos getting this weird late kind of run is something that I'm kind of in, intrigued by. And Kojima, rather like the match he had um, in Impact, like, fuck me, like that 50, as a 51 year old, or whatever, he really can still go. It was, again, perfectly decent match. But then they announced another tag tournament. So they're bringing in the, the good brothers are coming in. And then they've got that show that they're running, which is very intriguing in in August 14th, which is a place called The Torch, which is is an outdoor venue um, outside the LA Coliseum. And it can hold up to about 10,000. They're not obviously going to do that. But they've got Moxley on there, which is interesting, the fact he's working the US. Like, and not there. That suggests that, that relationship is kind of developing a bit more. They're using him basically saying, yeah, you can use him in order for them to be able to get somewhat of a decent crowd. I think there's Jay White's on there as well. Tom Lawler's on there. There's a lot of that kind of crew on there. And when you look through that roster, I'm there thinking to myself, I'm interested in watching this promotion, especially in front of fans. It doesn't have to be in front of like 10,000 fans. But I think if they were doing these shows in front of like 500 people to 1,000, they'd be good and I'd be into them. And I think as a show, it's worthwhile people watching. Um, it's a relatively easy watch. Alex Kozlov's awful, right? And unfortunately, he's not going anywhere. Mm. That is a problem, but there's nothing that we can do about it. It's it's well worth your time. It's the best thing New Japan are doing by a long shot. And it makes me intrigued at their New Japan of America shows and tours that they actually do. Although none of these things are tours. The Ignition Tour is, you know, it's a tour of a warehouse in Southern California, if mm. we're going to be pr- about it. But yeah, New Japan's strong. Well worth it. And Fred Ross has signed a contract there. What more do you want? 
<laughs> it's interesting, like that you know they got that big show they're building up to, and you know Jay White's been announced for it. Like <laughs> Jay White feels like he's never going to go back to Japan at this point. Like <laughs> he probably doesn't want to go back. Uh, there's a lad who probably regrets signing a five-year contract. You know Moxley's going to be on it. We shouldn't you know get that lost in the conversation. That's massive news that like you know AW are willing to let him work a what looks like a a major New Japan show and. I'll be honest, yeah, you know, I don't watch this. I don't. I didn't watch this week's show. I don't watch it every week, to be honest. But like when, when I do watch it, it's always a you know functional hour of TV. You know, easy. Be, yeah, easy watch. There'll be solid matches in there. You know, Tom Waller will always excite me. I like seeing Chris Dickinson do stuff. You know, we mentioned this week Josh Alexander turning up, as you've said there, JP. Like that, that intrigues me as well. Um, but imagine this with crowds, and imagine this with an end goal. And a pay-per-view in, on the US side, like, again, it's not going to light the world on fire because, you know, New Japan isn't in general right now. But actually does sound a little bit more interesting than what's going on in the uh, the Japan side right now with New Japan. Um, yeah, by virtue of the fact that there is fresher talent there and there's dudes that can't get to Japan right now and work over there. And this show is going to be on... The English language commentary is going to be only on fight. Mm. Not in New Japan world. They're only doing Japanese commentary for that. So I don't like that. I love our mates at fight. No. But come on, lads. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh well, Gareth will be falling a favour. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying that I haven't got New Japan world yet anyway. Be, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> through gritted teeth, order the order it. Go to grappleapp.com forward slash support. <laughs> like, yeah. Shouldn't be doing it, but order it through there if you are going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, you do the you do the sales. I mean, I think for me with New Japan Strong, I'm definitely looking forward to them doing something in front of crowds because as much as much as I've tried mm. watching this show, I just can't I just can't get away with it. Like just that 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 arena, that setting, and things like that. It's just a big turn off for me. And then when when you have got Alex Kozlov on commentary as well, so that's the noise that you do here. Then it then it, then it totally takes me out of it. And yeah, I've I've had a few attempts with it, but I've just really struggled every every, every time to just mm. just invest. But I think. Given the given the lads who are on there, you know, there's some obviously spot on wrestlers on there, and I think just getting them performing in front of crowds, I think that's probably where I'm more likely to jump in. Um, but yeah, I think it's desperately needing it at this stage just to just to kick things on a little bit for me. Mm. Anything else you guys have been watching? I mean, I've watched that Aussie Open. Velocities match from mm. um, PWA um, today. Um, again, I know it was something that you know JP. I think was keen to watch and talk about as well. So I don't know if you want to. I haven't seen fire, it yet. Hang fire on that one, and should, do you want, should we wait until we've both seen it? Or um, give us a quick overview. Get let us know. Yeah, give us know. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I think it's 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 one of those where. The match itself, it's currently the highest rated tag team match on the app for 2021, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a great, great sign from that point of view. It's currently in the top 10 matches of the year for 2021. So, you know, clearly off the, off, off the bat, it's got a, it's got a lot to live up to when you, when you, when you go into it and, um, you know, you know, you're, you're thinking, okay, your expectations have already been, been raised massively from, from that point of view, but like largely, you know, I think it, I think it delivers, and you can't have um, you know, too many complaints about it. I mean, I've seen a lot of, um, I've seen a lot of five stars going for it. No, I'm certainly not 
at that level with it you know i think it's a it's a very very good match and you know i think I, i've gone 4.25 on it the the average on the app currently stands at like 4.58 so you know it's you know averaging that over obviously over four and a half there which is which is which is a, is very strong i think as a match it's just absolutely non-stop it's just so like high energy it's you, you know you've got this sort of physical discrepancy there in that um the velocities are very very small but very you know high flying and obviously davis and cal fletcher now obviously are absolutely massive you know at points it felt like fucking king kong bundy at wrestlemania 3 when you were kind of like looking at the uh, <laughs> at the ring there and you're looking at the size size disparity between them uh between them both so at certain points you know in the match it made it it made it a bit difficult for me to to buy in those certain strike exchanges and things like that where i was just thinking like no come on lads like don't even you know don't even put that in 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 the match there but i think they they really worked the this thing of the the physical dominance side of uh, of Aussie open and the velocity is acting as this scrappy never say die you know although the champions physically you know, undermatched, under undersized, but coming back with their, you know, flying stuff that they needed to incorporate to um, turn the match in their favour. And there was there was some absolutely you know insane spots where, um, oh, I mean, I mean, there was there was a four fifty into a hurricane runner by Paris de Silva, which was just mind blowing. I, I, I it was I, I don't know how the fuck physically he managed to do it, but it was it was absolutely insane. There was an awesome shooting star into a DDT that he did as well, which was just mind blowing. There was just a great spot with a double dive off the stage where they like crisscrossed in the in in the air on that one as well. So, you know, if you're into your high flying spots there was some stuff there that was absolutely breathtaking and just really um you, you know i think i think you'll enjoy this benno you know some some of the some of the stuff in here i think you'll 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 get a, a lot out of it i think if anything probably what held it back from being closer to that four, four and a half and, and above stage for me is that it probably just went on a bit too long um and it kind of got to the point where it was like oh and another kick out and another big kind of high spot and somebody kicks out again and i think it's one of those where it could probably the story could definitely have been told in 10 minutes left and less and it would have felt a bit more tighter and a bit more realistic for me if it had had that you know there's only so many times that you can see a 10 stone um five foot bloke get you know get cutted off the top rope by Carl Fletcher one end and then get big splashed by Carl Davis off the top rope at the other end and then he manages to kick out at you know 2.99 and you're like come on lads you know, you know, take it on there's, a, there's a, you know there's, there's there's certain elements there where you know definitely could have uh, de- definitely could have done with a bit a bit cut out but i'd absolutely recommend anyone to 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 go and watch it you know obviously jp's been picking up the um the aussie graps for the for the last few weeks and you know and this is aussie listeners def- are going. Def- def- definitely delivered hey. i got a lot of enjoyment out of you know i've said it before i watched a watched a, a bit more of pwa about two years ago now and i enjoyed what i watched there over the, the couple of a couple of events that that i saw then this presentation here in the uh, Max Watts nightclub in in, in Sydney, the, uh, our music venue that this is this was in, 
again just a great setting for wrestling just really kind of just made you kind of hark back to those glory days of brit rest there and it has a very sort of similar vibe and similar feel to the to the shows that we were that we were going mm-hmm. going and watching there but yeah really uh really came out um came out looking strong here and i was, I was just watching the, the losses and just thinking where we were picking apart new japan and just talking about how their lack of depth in their junior division and the way that there was a crossover between the singles and tag division i was thinking fucking hell just get these two guys in there as the uh for the junior tag team they would just absolutely just add something new add something different fresh matchup and one of the things that i loved and loved about this was that this was like half an hour but it was as smooth as silk there was no there were, there, there, nothing was clunky about it there was no like ta- the timing wasn't off. There weren't, there weren't any sort of like slight botches and things like that. They were doing some ridiculous physical things here, and it was as just as smooth as anything. You know, it, it just it, it just came across as just absolute pros, and the nonstop nature of it meant that there was re- there really was room for error, and there was room for things to you know go wrong. And at parts, it could have ended up just being a bit of a cluster, but it, it didn't. It just went from you know sequence to sequence to sequence all the way through and it it, it was it, it worked fantastically from from that point of view as well so yeah big uh big up for for that match and I, I'm, I'm expecting that given the place that it is currently it's probably going to end up in you know when you look at tag team matches it's probably going to end up in your top three tag team matches as the year i would have, I, would, I would have thought based on where the ratings stand currently with this been at number one i can't see too many knocking this out of top spot and it's comfortably going to be in there in the top 20 top 30 when you get into grapple 100 for for matches of the year by the time you you, you pile in a few g1 matches and things like that as well and this would be i think in the f- two years ago Aussie Open had the the tag team match of the year on on the app as well, so this would be like two years out of three that the the Aussie Open have come and delivered there. So I think where previously we were referencing them coming back to this country, I can't remember if it was on the main show, or it was on the, the pre show, yeah. but but um, but again, it sort of just shows the value that they have and they can bring again as we're looking for yeah. these like new new or old faces to be you know shining up the uk scene a little bit you know clearly these are two guys that can come back in and have a bit of a have a bit of an impact and be a big name that you can have their main event and shows like they did for for, for this one and, and putting on great matches so yeah all in all give it a watch yeah well i mean to that point i mean yeah that sounds like the highest of possible praise and the obviously the star ratings that have been coming in suit that as well but yeah, to, to link to, to what you said there, like we talked about it on the pre-show, Aussie Open coming back to the UK seems like they're coming here for a, at least a, a long stay, if not if not for good. Fuck me, we could be, I know the Aussies are probably enjoying having them right now, but good lord, could we do with them on our scene? Um, like mm. as far as like something exciting to have on the scene, like I know you know Progress just ran a tag tourney, Rev Pro running a tag tourney right now. That's got very similar teams to the Progress t- tournament. So although you know, nice to see the young guns. Um, going to be doing rev pro which gives me hope that they're not going to get snapped up by nxt uk nice to see you know uh you know uh, dean Omar get a get a go in the uh, in the old lads uh team on uh on there on rev pro as well um i think that you know but rev pro are clearly like putting some feet forward to to put a tag division together but the crown jewel of that division is clearly gonna be you know the aussies if they can get a, a regular run with them and have them you can really main event with them on shows, you know. Like that's let's hope they they can do. You know, 
I know they tried with tried to give them put them in a prominent position before and we had the mixed bag like remember that terrible match with the with Chris Brooks and a, and your mate John JP that was uh, that was not great that was not the Aussie Open we want but the Aussie Open that it sounds like you know we're getting in this match you know match of the year contender Aussie Open that's what we want isn't it um, on shows like yeah. in, in a scene where there aren't really obvious main event singles guys that's a team that could you know main event shows yeah I would agree with you. I need singles or or tag, and I know when Carl yeah, Fletcher yeah, yeah. gone back oh, to Australia, yeah. they had him there. That like, there's a few smaller companies that I I would say it's worthwhile, you know, going with Mark Davies. Um, also, as well, if they're the link men to getting a few of the other Australians over, I think that would be something that would be worthwhile. I remember seeing True. the velocities before, like a couple of years ago at the cockpit, and very young guys and obviously like kind of a lot less experienced but like then it becomes well actually if this is the match that becomes a signature match that those four guys can do and they're able to get the time to come over to here Mm. that's something that's good for like kind of as a bit of a showcase as well so i think there's the kind of benefits from it you mentioned about that ref pro tag tournament i'm intrigued by it and they're using it as filling up the card on a lot of the shows when they are able to start running. And obviously in the UK at the time of recording, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of in flux over here. So I'm, I'm really intrigued. I like to see the direction of the tag. Cause when you put out like kind of nine tag teams, like the way that they do, including Aussie open as well, you go, this is all right. Like as the, no, is it what it was in 2016, 2017? No, but, at the same time, like it shows that you can put some interesting teams together. And like you say, having young guns there as well, like exactly seeing them team up with a bit of rebel Alliance rather than the evil empire for once is always quite nice. And, and that as a match, young guns, Aussie open, like yeah. that's something where, you know, I look at there and Fresh. I'm immediately, I'm immediately thinking if they could get to work together three times or something like that, again, it's, not only are they going to put on great matches, but you know it's one of those things where we we talk about wanting to have the opponents who can develop Ethan and Luke on the scene currently. If they can get put in there with Aussie Open, you know, mm. two or three times oh. again, it's a great great learning experience for them. And the idea of those matches, like proper, whets my appetite. Where I talk about there's you know they're they're that's the sort of match that would make me travel <laughs> these days whereas there's there's not much that's that's making me making me want to do that so you know i think they're going to be a big um a big boost to the scene all in all yeah for sure well there you go there's a nice positive to end on and it was a brit res positive yeah. bloody hell <laughs> don't know where that came from um it's fucking hell that's wrong <laughs> delete that yeah i'm just looking up at twitter right now to be honest an island looks like it's melting down again but i don't know exactly what's going on but the ott cunts are being cunts again so you know there's still that negative going on in the uh, in the european <laughs> scene oh well but yeah maybe we'll get some uh some positive this year after all but anywho um yeah anything else to mention anything to plug anything to say that's JP? it really i think john I paul did, done all the plugs i i would just say john paul you in a minute um <laughs> patreon.com forward slash grapple um yeah to to subscribe um obviously then you'd be able to watch this show like uh those of you who those of you who've managed to stick through the entire duration and join in on the chat as well and join in with the pre-show we've got the grappy hour coming up as well you've got the daily updates from me you'll get one in about approximately six six and a half hours time uh what will have changed very little other than i'll have to in some way cover raw 
and then I'll shake my head and go, oh, for fuck's sakes. Mm. So, yeah. There you go. Anything on the grapple side, Gareth? Same as always. Get yourself onto Google Play or uh, App Store and download that app. Well done filling in on that one last week, JP. Hey, it's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Love doing it, mate. Good man. Um, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, other than that, uh, Music of the Mat, I was, uh, I was on last week, the CM Punk episode, if uh, people want to check that out. But yeah, all roads leave to, uh, to patreon.com slash grapple. And yeah, we'll be back. Uh, we've got a mixtape episode coming up. We've got a weekend preview coming up on uh, on Friday with uh, we'll be, oh, weekend preview and crappy hour we'll be sorting out the uh, the schedule and all that coming up on uh on friday and uh, for our, our live viewers so plenty going on um in this final week of the month so yeah thank you to all our patrons thank you to all of you for for tuning in and yeah we will catch you again next monday bye That's a slave who protested to get in a fucking look book. Everything I scribbled like the anarchist book book. Look good, posing in a center for the crook book. Black on black on black with the ski mask, that is my crook book. How you like my styling, bruh? Ain't nobody smiling, bruh. About to turn this motherfucker up like Rikers Island, bruh. Where my fathers and my cripples and my blooders and my brothers. When you niggas gon' unite